pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Continuing tonight, 7 o'clock, which, by the way, the, the draft should have started last night at 7 o'clock. Um, I, look, we're always going to find something negative to, to bitch and complain about things. I get that. But come on, I'm 30 years old, and even I uh, had trouble staying up for the entire draft last night. I thought that was a little ridiculous. However, um, if that's the worst thing that happened is that the draft was too long, I think that we're all just spoiled at this point. Because I think that uh, I honestly, uh, was just, I was thoroughly entertained all night watching the draft. And it's just one of those things where I started noticing, I'm like, man, the Major League Baseball draft is just so bad because you know nothing about the high school baseball players coming out. You know not, You don't know enough about the college teams uh, to have a good feel for who these guys are. There's going to be some baseball uh, nuts out there that you were probably sitting in your car saying, oh, I know, I know Joe Blow from blah, blah, blah. Good for you. You're in the minority. Not many people do. That's why the Major League Baseball draft is not that big a deal. The NBA draft, it's an okay deal. Uh, if you know, like, for instance, this year, locally, the NBA draft will seem a lot bigger than what it normally is because Obi Toppin's involved. If there's no Dayton Flyer in the conversation, if there's even, I, I to be honest, even sometimes when there's a Buckeye involved, it doesn't carry a lot of weight in this area. The NBA draft is going to be bigger this year for this area because of Obi, but outside of that, you're not going to be able to sit through every pick of the NBA draft and feel like, have a, have a passion for which team is picking what player. You'll, you'll, you start to fade out after the top five, and that's, that's me, honestly. After the top five, I start zoning out. I don't really care about the NBA draft too much. But the NFL draft, every team, every pick. You know, I thought that after the Browns picked at 10 that I would lose interest. I did not lose interest because then I'm like, well, man, there's a few other Buckeyes that were waiting to hear their name tonight. Man, man, this team, I know what needs it. It's, I think we are all, as NFL football fans, we are all very well-educated about each individual team's strengths and weaknesses. Uh, we know so much about these teams, and it's strange. Think about Major League Baseball. Uh, we all know, for you diehard baseball fans, we know enough about a lot of other teams around Major League Baseball, but we know most about our team being the Reds or whoever your team is. But we can't sit there and name you every single pitcher in a rotation for every team in baseball. Maybe you can, good for you, but you can't do that. In football... I, you know, even a casual football fan can tell you who the starting quarterback is for every team in the NFL. They can maybe tell you the second best player on that roster. They can tell you a defensive player. They could tell you something about pretty much every team in the National Football League. That's not the case in baseball. It's not the case in basketball. Uh, not the case in the NHL and other sports. Football is such a big deal. I could not believe I found myself watching the draft last night, sitting there saying, I had an emotional reaction to every pick in the draft last night. And I'm like, I don't care about the Dolphins. I couldn't care any more or less about the Panthers or the uh, the Cardinals, but I was hanging on every pick last night. I love the NFL draft. There is nothing better, and I can't believe I'm excited for round two tonight, but honestly, I'm going to be sitting there. For one, there's some other big names I'm looking out for, more Ohio State names, of course, uh, and then looking out for you know our local kid from Dayton and Adam Troutman. So lots to look forward to tonight, but let's get into some of the top reactions from last night's draft picks again. Uh, we'll get into Justin Kinner show top headlines coming up later on in the show. We're pushing that back today just to get to immediate reaction uh, from last night's draft. It was chalk, um, the first three. You know, we knew Joe Burrow was going to Cincinnati, Chase Young uh, to Washington. I thought that, you know, the Lions could throw a, a wrench in what many 
you know, thought was going to happen. But they took Jeff Akuda. I'm not a fan of it um, because I don't know how they made their team better. Uh, you get rid of, of, of Sly. You, you got rid of one of your top cornerbacks just to draft a cornerback. I don't know how that helps you. You keep your top cornerback. You use that number three pick to go get an additional defensive piece. You know, I mean, who's to say? I mean, why wouldn't the, the Lions think to keep Sly and maybe get to Isaiah Simmons? I mean, all of a sudden, now you're, you've bolstered your defense. Uh, maybe you get a wide receiver for a healthy staff. Okay, you know, like there were just things that I thought the Lions could have done to better their team. And as big of a fan I am of Jeff Akuda, I just don't get the pick. I don't get the decision. I don't get how that makes them better. So, other, you know, outside of that, we figured that was coming nonetheless. How about Andrew Thomas going to the Giants? Andrew Thomas, the offensive tackle out of Georgia. Keep in mind, a lot of mock drafts. Uh, Mel Kuyper's final mock draft yesterday had him going at number 10 to the Cleveland Browns, and uh, he goes number 4 to the New York Giants. If there's one thing we've learned about David Gettleman and the New York Giants, you cannot predict what they're going to do. Daniel Jones last year, I mean, I'll never forget when they announced Daniel Jones, everyone just ripped the New York Giants. Not going to lie, though, Daniel Jones didn't look too bad for a rookie. You know, I don't, he didn't have a, a Baker Mayfield-type look to him. Uh, you know, many people have high expectations for Joe Burrow right off the bat. Daniel Jones didn't look that bad last year. It'll be interesting to see how the Giants look moving forward, but they got their top running back in Barkley. They have Daniel Jones, and they get another big body to help protect them up front. And then the number five pick, Tua Tagovailoa. Kev, I don't know about you, but, like, the family shot, like, that looks boring. Like, did that family smile? I mean, they all sat there. They had, like, a, no emotion. Whatsoever. I was dying laughing. The whole thing, I mean, we have to understand that this was the first digital draft. And uh, my wife kept saying, why ain't nobody moving? When they saying they getting drafted, I was like, well, they're on the delay. But then, like, by the time we got to, like, pick seven, I'm like, yeah, they don't seem enthused. Nobody, nobody seemed enthused when they got drafted. Like, everybody's like, cool. It's like kind of like everybody knew ahead of time and like they were going to him after they already celebrated. I think it was like the one guy who got drafted. I can't remember who it was. What uh, she was uh, his girlfriend was sitting on her on his lap, giving him a big hug as he was crying. And his mom was like, "Hey, we on TV? Don't be doing that." <laughs> like that was like the only thing like I saw like that people like showed emotion. Like it just was, it was just weird. It was definitely a weird draft. No, what? And you're right about the delay. But every time they would pan over to two, like. His dad was sitting there straight up, hands on his legs, looking straight ahead. The mom had no emotion whatsoever. I don't know if it was brothers, sisters, cousins behind him. Terminator. Not moving whatsoever. But, you know, and Tua, and then he almost fell getting up because as he's standing up, he left his headphones plugged in. So then, like, he's tripping over that. It was just a very awkward encounter the whole time. Imagine if he'd have hurt himself getting up. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) That would be so. And, and, you know, I've heard that today, too, talking about, and I brought this point up yesterday on the show, saying, hey, if if you're the Dolphins, you know, if, if for one, if you're Tua, you're grateful to be drafted. And I think Tua is smart enough to understand why there was so much skepticism about whether or not to take him or not. Um, but I, I don't know how confident the Dolphins are in picking him at number five. I think that it was a smarter pick. I would rather have him than Justin Herbert, and I would rather have him um, th- than Jordan Love at this point. However, the Dolphins really could have thrown people for a loop to take Jordan Love. But another team took Jordan Love that threw people for a loop that we'll talk about here in a moment. Um, but look, Tua Tagovailoa. I just I think I thought it was interesting that the Dolphins really were doing everything they could to not have to draft him. They tried their hardest to try to get Joe Burrow at number one. Which, by the way, after thinking about it a little more, there's not many teams. Like, I hate when people say, how do you grade the Bengals in the first round of the draft? You can't grade a team that only has one pick. Yeah. Like, 
I think you can give a team a failing grade with one pick if they make a stupid pick, but so I'm not going to give you a good grade for making the right pick. You, you, you pick Joe Burrow. Good for you. You're supposed to take Joe Burrow. Uh, you know what I mean? Like Now, if they would have taken Chase Young, maybe we have a different conversation, but uh, I don't like when people say, well, what, how do you grade them in the first? Well, what grade do you give the Browns? I don't give the Browns a grade at all. They had one pick. They made their pick. It is what it is. Good pick. Very good pick. Yeah. So when you talk about teams who have multiple picks, that's a little bit different. So there's not many teams that do have more than one pick in the first round. So there's not many opportunities where you can look at the team sitting at number one and say, hey, man, I'll give you a couple of my first rounds if you'll give me your first. So I guess I don't mind the Dolphins trying to kick the tires on it. They're the only ones that have enough you know, leverage to be able to try to strike a deal with the Bengals. So maybe it's not that they were as anti-Tua as what were was what I was painting it out to be. Maybe it's hey, we have the resources to maybe get something done. Let's let let's not explore it and then find out later that maybe they would have been interested in two of our top three picks. Absolutely, and best believe they're going to take another quarterback. They're going to draft another quarterback later mm-hmm. on. But I mean, let's see. They have now they have Tua, they have Fitzpatrick, and they also have Rosen on the roster. Um, they'll probably take a quarterback late like in the sixth or seventh round or something like that. But they got so many picks, they're able to fill out their roster with young talent, especially in the second and third round. So how about Isaiah Simmons going to the Cardinals? That's a good pick right there. Many people had Isaiah Simmons going to the Panthers. Panthers take Derek Brown out of Auburn. Um, some picks happened the way we expected to, but I think that the Browns at number 10 ended up taking uh, the Willis Jr. kid out of Alabama. A very good pick. I mean, he's huge. He's a <laughs> massive body. Um I, I can't say I'm disappointed. I would have liked to see them maybe get a little aggressive to potentially go out and get, uh, you know, Trent Williams. They're not going to now. This this takes care of that, which, like I said, is not the end of the world because I would have liked to see them do it. But this is a big body right here. Yeah. And uh, it's coming from Alabama. Those kids are well coached. Um, you know, Jonah Williams for the Bengals last year coming out of Alabama. So we're going to we're gonna find out just how good those O-linemen out of Alabama are right off the bat here in the state of Ohio. Just watching what Jonah Williams does in technically his second year, but first year uh, healthy enough to play. And then obviously what we're going to see out of Willis Jr. with the Browns coming up here in 2020. Uh, and then the Raiders right there at number 12 taking Henry Ruggs. I think that uh, many people thought that they were going to take you know, C.D. Lamb or I someone like that. And they passed up on him. I thought that was interesting. They the went Ra- classic Raiders. They went for the fastest guy available. Speed, 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 speed. Now, they did not go the route of the quarterback that uh, many thought. You know, there was talk of them potentially taking Jordan Love. They ended up taking Damon Arnett. The third Ohio State Buckeye taken in the draft. So that was, I expected three Buckeyes in the first round. I just didn't expect Damon Arnett. I expected J.K. Dobbins, to be honest with you. I was blown away that Damon Arnett was drafted in the first round. Yep. One, I've been watching Damon Arnett since he was a freshman. He was not good until this year. I don't care what. Uh, anybody says the PDF, whatever they call in the the stat machine that they're using to grade people nowadays. I watch football with my eyes, and my eyes showed me he was not a good football player his freshman, sophomore, and junior year. This year he was outstanding, and I have a thread going with our guy Ryan Drake. And like early in the season, he was making plays. He would hit me up like, look at our guy Arnett making plays. I was like, hey, I'm impressed. I'm happy for him. Let's keep it going. And he kept making plays. And kept making plays. And bought I mean, everybody looks at Okuda, how he played in first Clemson. There was another receiver on the other side of the field that got locked down as well. Yeah, and, and Arnett was responsible for that. And you can, Arnett, you could probably blame him for why that receiver was not picked in the first round. Facts. So, <laughs> Facts. And
And the Talk fact that he Higgins, got by T. The way. Higgins, yeah. So he bought out his senior year. So that let that sink into any guys that are juniors thinking about going pro early. Look at the work that Damon Arnett put in to position himself to be a first-round draft pick. You talk about the money he made himself by going back to school. That's big time, man. Congratulations, man. Some guys come out after three years, and they just say, look, I went to Ohio State. That alone is going to carry weight, and a team will, you know, late in the draft, take a chance on me. But he's a prime example of, okay, are you going to go that route of just hoping that a team takes a chance? Are you you going to come back and put yourself in a position to make a team take a chance on you? And keep in mind, that speaks volumes about Ohio State as well, because many people think that, oh, Ohio State, you get the best talent, so they're just, you know, that they're NFL-ready coming out of high school. That That is so far. That is worked. And and this is the case for any player out there. I mean, Chase Young, the best players coming out of high school are not NFL ready. They're just not. The colleges have to do the best that they can to take this raw talent coming out of high school, some more polished than others, and turn it into NFL talent. And and this is a prime example right here, Damon Arnett, of the, of the job that, you know, obviously Urban Meyer and his staff, as well as into the Ryan Day era, this, the job that they have done in coaching up these players, that's what you – this is – Another recruiting tactic right here. Absolutely. Damon Arnett is more of a recruiting story to me than a Chase Young, who we knew was going to be an NFL star years ago. The slogan that they use, develop here. He developed it. He played a season with one hand, by the way. So, I mean... That, to me, like I said, that, that was one of more, the more impressive stories. Now, uh, again, they were talking about last night. That was one of the bigger surprises, Damon Arnett. Nobody. There was not a mock draft out there that had him on there. Now, there was a, a Raiders coach that came out and spoke to the media after that uh, wasn't uh, Gruden, but it was someone came out and said they talked to a Raiders staff member and said that they had Arnett in their top ten, that they were surprised that no one else had Arnett. So either the Raiders made a mistake here or, um, you know, they were the smartest guy in the Maybe it's we'll like Andrew out. Arnett out there that they meant to yeah, <laughs> something like that. No, but uh, no. Damon Arnett had one hell of a final year for the Buckeyes, and uh, he played himself into being the first round pick. But how about that, man? Uh, you know, Chase Young, Jeff Okuda, Damon Arnett, and I thought we were going to hear a fourth Buckeye late in the draft with uh, in the first round with J.K. Dobbins. How about the last pick of the draft last night? You know, the Kansas City Chiefs reigning Super Bowl champs. They had uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire from LSU. And uh, honestly, I think that if LSU doesn't win that national championship, I don't know if he's picked right there. I, I don't. To me, maybe it's just that when you have so many great running backs, let's just take the the back from the national champion. I, I would really love to know what was the when you're splitting hairs between a J.K. Dobbins, between a Jonathan Taylor, um, between a Hilaire. What was the what was the straw that they pulled that said you know allowed them to say he was the best of those three? And again, it's not about best of the three; it's the best fit, fit of the three. What is it about his game that fits them? It doesn't matter. They're all three really good running backs, but I don't think anyone expected him to be picked before J.K. or Jonathan Taylor. You know what it was? J.K.'s two drop touchdowns in a game against. Very Cole. well, could be. Very well. <laughs> That's what be. it is for me. That's what, what I'm gonna say in my head. What if I told you? <laughs> Goodness gracious, dude. You know, so many people bring that game up all the time and they talk about the reverse of the fumble and we got cheated and everything like that. I just keep coming back to the two drop touchdowns, man. You want to know? And <laughs> yeah, it hurts my heart to this day. Well, there was a, I mean, again, people got so mad at me after that because the narrative after the, the Fiesta Bowl was officials, 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 officiating, officiating, officiating. And I'm like, look, I'm not saying it was good. I think both are true. I think the officiating was bad and Ohio State made too many mistakes that you should have. Both are true. 
the official officiating was bad, but so were some of the timely mistakes that Ohio State made. But we'll discuss that more in depth later, I'm sure. But you're right, though. We're talking about you know some recency things. I think LSU winning the national championship, Hilaire being on that you know team. By the way, 60 touchdowns for uh, you, you know Burrow this season. Those for over 5,000 yards. Hilaire was still uh, rushed for over 1,300 yards. <laughs> Uh, and I don't know what his final touchdown numbers were, but it was double-digit touchdowns, too. So the fact that you were able to still get that much contribution from your running back in a season where you had your quarterback throw for 60 touchdowns crazy, and had a 202 uh, QBR and threw for over 5,000 yards, I mean, I'm telling you, how, where did they find the time and the plays? Because keep in mind, they didn't play a lot in the second half. Mm. <laughs> so it's amazing to me that he had the year that he did. I think it was he kind of got lost in the shadows. J.K. Dobbins very similar to Hilaire. The the yeah. focus was on J or was on uh, oh, I almost said my boy's name uh, Justin Fields uh, Justin Fields you know, the attention was on him and the in the way that they were scoring touchdowns through the air left and right the, I think that's why J K Dobbins didn't get the respect that many people thought he deserved is because you weren't even the you know the best player on your offense that's why you weren't getting the respect Jonathan Taylor was the best player in his offense I think that's why he got the nod when it came to the attention from throughout the season uh, the best pick late in the draft to me. Uh, Patrick Queen out of LSU to the Ravens. We discussed this yesterday. That that was a linebacker that probably should have gone a lot higher than that, but it's funny. He fell right where many people anticipated him falling. They were just really good defensive players ahead of him. But, man, this was a defensive-rich draft. That's why for those who picked offense when they didn't really need to, I find it kind of interesting because it's tough to find guys like Patrick Queen and the Ravens found him at number 23. Just not fair. 28, sorry. 28. Just not fair, man. Just not fair, dude. Every time you think, all right, Ravens, all right, they're going to be good on offense this year, but their defense is taking a step backwards. Their linebacker is getting older, da, 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 boom. Plug and play. Plug and play, man. Unbelievable. And then, the big one. With the 26th pick in the first round of the NFL draft last night, I thought Jordan Love was going to fall out of the first round. And he goes to the Green Bay Packers. Now, here's what I saw, here's what I was envisioning happening down the stretch. I was texting with a buddy of mine last night about, about this watching the draft. Um, as Jordan Love kept falling and falling, I'm like, man, I'm looking at the remaining picks right after, um, wh- you know, when the Chargers, you know, obviously they were going to grab him. They had taken, you know, Justin Herbert earlier on in the draft, you know, but when Minnesota, when the Eagles, especially after number 20, when the Jaguars didn't take Jordan Love, I was like, man, I'm looking on. Philly has a quarterback. Mm-hmm. Minnesota has theirs. You know, Chargers just draft theirs. You have Drew Brees, uh, you know, obviously uh, right there. But at the same time with the Saints, you know, we don't know what their backup situation is like, you know, but they have their starting quarterback. When you draft a quarterback in the first round, you're drafting him to play, if not that year, the next year. Mm-hmm. But more times than not, now in 2020 especially, you're drafting a quarterback in the first round to play right away. So, again, the Saints moved on. Um, you know, San Fran, they have their quarterback. And then to Green Bay, I thought, oh, there's no way they'll take him. They have theirs. You know, Seattle picked number 27. They have theirs. The Ravens have an MVP quarterback. If Where I thought he was going to end up was at number 29 to the Titans. I started looking at what was left, and I was like, man, I think that's where he's going to end up. He could potentially end up with the Titans. And then uh, out of nowhere, the Packers swallow him up. Aaron Rodgers is the same age today that Brett Favre was when the Packers drafted Aaron Rodgers. Can't make this type of stuff up, man. This stuff writes itself. Was it a good decision or a bad decision? I, I don't like it. Um, Why? Because, I, I mean, we've been talking throughout the week. I'm not a fan of the draft a quarterback and sit him thing. Like, what if Jordan Love ends up being like Patrick Mahomes 
and you find out, like, let's say Aaron Rodgers plays two more years and the Packers say, okay, we're moving on, we're ready to go. And then Jordan Love comes out and boom, he's been this great quarterback all along, and then now you've got to pay him right away. And then you're right back in the boat you were with Aaron. You have a highly paid quarterback, and you don't have enough wiggle room to go get weapons for him. Again, there's a way they could, they could find a way. I get that. But you know what I mean? Like this, It's just the day and age of trying to hit the ground running with your rookie quarterback. That's why when the Dolphins, you know, everyone's talking about let them sit out a year. Let them, these teams aren't looking to sit their quarterbacks for a year when they draft them because the window to spend money at a, at a high clip at positions that they normally wouldn't spend money on. You know, Aaron Rodgers, I, what was the stat I heard last night? Since signing the extension, he has not thrown a touchdown to a first-round receiver. They've never drafted a first-round skill player. Like that's, been there. What so that's the, like so that was the step. Okay, but like that's insane to me. But again, they get away with it. You can't, you know, if the Bengals pulled that, I'd be ripping. If the Browns pulled it, I'd be ripping it. But the Packers, they win a lot of games and they have a Super Bowl under their belt. So, mm-hmm. you know, it, it it is what it is. All I know is is this could end up working out. But you just waste. You traded up to get them. That's what was weird to me. You traded up to get Jordan Love. Like that should also piss Aaron Rodgers off. It's Why like, should it piss him off? Because it's one of those where if he's still there. When you're up in your natural position, it's like, well, man, we can't let this type of quarterback drop behind us. Who in front of him, unless they really felt that the Titans were going to grab him, and I do believe that. I No one, no mock draft had the Titans doing that, but let's be real. All right, the quarterback situation with the Titans, again, if he was, if, if he, went, he didn't even look as good as Nick Foles did with the Eagles leading him to a Super Bowl. So I'm not a big fan of the Titans quarterback situation. I think Jordan He looks better in the regular did. season than he did in the playoffs. I think it was like, the running game was just so crazy. The reason that I don't think Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers has the right to be upset is because this is how he got his job. This is exactly how he got into the NFL. The Packers, like you said, had a Hall of Fame quarterback starting to go into the back end of their career. They drafted Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers sat for like two or three years. They moved on from their Hall of Fame quarterback. Their Hall of Fame quarterback had one more good year left in him. It wasn't with the Jets. It was the following year with the Vikings. With the Vikings, and then he came back again. That was horrible. So they're just doing what they do. But they also believe the year that they drafted Aaron Rodgers that was that was one of Brett Favre's best years statistically. The year that he had that la- the year that they drafted Aaron Rodgers the year before that. Yeah. So the, yeah, the year leading into the draft, Brett Favre they said statistically had one of his best seasons ever, and it made note like so. You know, Packers fans are like, oh man, you know, they were not sensing the end is near as far as the Brett Favre era is concerned. But that's the thing. They drafted Aaron Rodgers. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, like, so then it looked like when he had his average year the next year and started the decline, it was, oh, the Packers, a great organization. They drafted Aaron Rodgers right in time. Aaron Rodgers being drafted probably after with the morale of, <laughs> Air, of of Brett Favre that led to maybe the downfall. Uh, and you'll never know because there's there's always a way to spin it. I yeah. just spun it right there. You know, everyone's like, oh, Brett Favre, he started declining. Well, you saw when he had his head right how good he looked when he was with the Vikings. So I, I don't know. I don't. It just didn't need to happen. I don't think they needed to force this. They weren't. I mean, they were, they're still a couple years removed from being in a position where you start thinking about a quarterback. If Pittsburgh did this, great. I love it. You know, maybe they do go the Jalen Hurts route whenever we you know have the draft later tonight. Who knows? Fingers crossed. Um, again, it's not the end of the world. I just believe that if you pick him in the second round, it's it's okay. I just thought it was strange to trade up in the first round to get a quarterback that most likely could have probably been there in the second. That's all. I'm a fan of the pick. And I think that it's going to work out for them. I think it's going to work out for both parties. I think it's going to be a situation where that love is going to sit. It's going to learn. We're going to go old school with it. 
and then Aaron Rodgers can find somewhere else because there's always somebody willing to pay a Hall of Fame quarterback a lot of money for his final years as Tampa Bay. No kidding. Four five seven nine four six four. Overall reaction to last night's draft, my friend Schrody, a Titans fan, messaging in saying that there's the Titans were not going to draft Love. There was a zero percent chance. Zero, zero <laughs> percent. What about side track? What about Tannehill makes you feel comfortable? I mean, first of all, if there's ever a team that should have said there was, a, if if the Packers can draft Jordan Love when you have Aaron Rodgers, I'm pretty sure the little Titans could draft Jordan Love when you have Ryan Tannehill, all right? If the Packers don't feel comfortable moving forward with Aaron Rodgers, then how can you convince me that the Titans feel good about Ryan Tannehill, a glorified backup quarterback who, like I said, I would take Nick Foles over Ryan Tannehill at this point. I am not impressed with Ryan Tannehill whatsoever. So, Schrody, I love you, but I don't love the Titans with Tannehill running the offense. You have a great running back in Derrick Henry. Get him a good-ass quarterback. Get him someone that's going to make that that offense unstoppable. Maybe Jordan Love isn't that guy, but I would have felt like they were at least going in the right direction. But Ryan Tannehill, that's the hill you're going to die on, Schrody, is the Ryan Tannehill hill. Oh, Tan Hill. That's Tan the Hill you're going to die on. Oh, man, I wish I would have thought of that sooner. i got to be quicker on my feet. That's the Hill you're going to die on, Schrody Ryan Tan Hill. That's what I meant to say. How about that? Goodness gracious. Schrody can't type fast enough. Look. <laughs> All right, folks, 457-9464. Your biggest takeaways from last night's first round of the NFL draft, plus ESPN put out a pros and cons to every first-round selection last night. We won't go through every one, but we will take a look at the Bengals, we'll take a look at the Browns, and we'll take a look at the Buckeyes selected in the first round. We'll be back in just a moment. The Justin Kidder Show, right here on ESPN Dayton, 1410 Wing AM. Can't believe after the Bengals and the Browns have their first-round picks last night, I'm getting lit up by Titans fans. Justin Kenner show here on 1410 ESPN Radio. Ryan Tanhill last year or last season, according to my Titans friend here, says that the Titans were not going to draft Jordan Love. I said that Jordan Love surprised me going to Green Bay. I believe that. Uh, look, I still think there's a good chance that the Titans would have taken Jordan Love right there if he would have fallen back that far. Not many people in a lot of mock drafts expected Jordan Love to fall back that far. They thought, you know, early, not early in the draft, but at least top 15, top 20 at the very least. The Jaguars, with having multiple picks, the fact that he fell, that the Jaguars didn't take him with either pick, kind of surprised me a little bit. Um, they got rid of Nick Foles. To me, that screams the Jaguars are not trying to position themselves. Staying with it's, the stash, oh baby. My goodness, that's dumber than the than the Titans pumping their chest over Ryan Tanhill. Staying with the stash, or they're going to go after Cam or Jameis. He says, uh, look, he goes, they were a, a, a top-five offense when, when Tannehill started. That's because of Derrick Henry. Yeah, A.J. Brown, yeah, Corey Davis. A.J. Brown was a baller as a rookie. Uh, Corey Davis, when his feet aren't broken, he's pretty good. They did get rid of their tight end, and uh, they just cut him. But yeah. Ryan Tannehill, last year, started 12 games. Yep. Threw for 2,700 yards. Yep. And they had the top five offense because of him. You had Andy Dalton, who only started one more game than he did, throw for 3,400 yards. You had Kyle Allen, started 13 games, only one more game, threw for 3,200-plus uh, yards. Uh, Daniel Jones only started one more game than he did last year. He threw for 3,000-plus yards. Ryan Tanhill, he didn't move the ball. He did move the ball. No, and if they had a real quarterback, they probably they might have a good chance to get to the Super Bowl last year. They did move the ball. The reason oh, they pulled the plug on Mariota because Mariota would back to hand it to Derrick Henry. <laughs> he wouldn't take shots down the field. So completions don't matter to you. Yards don't matter. But as long as you could throw it down the field, that's all that matters. 
It's seventy percent completion percentage. Nine yard, uh, almost ten yards uh, attempt. It was Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry was why they were top five offense. I mean, he's a part of the. Team. I want a quarterback that's going to lead you to a top five offense. Not your running back. You hate running, running backs. backs. You I don't, don't want to pay them. You don't want to pay the running back. Name a team. No, because teams don't win Super Bowls with your running back leading the way. You're thinking. <laughs> I am thinking. I am thinking. I'm, I'm serious. Like, you have to. It reminds me of the college football playoff. Like, when we talk about with the Big Ten, everyone's like, oh, the Big Ten, it's, that, that's easily the best conference of college football. They have. They're known for their running game. There's not a lot of good quarterbacks in the Big Ten. It's. Justin Fields, uh, and that's it. There's not a lot of good quarterbacks in the Big Ten. Iowa's quarterback wasn't terrible. Oh, Indiana. Oh, we're gonna we're gonna make an argument about Indiana's quarterback. Really, we're gonna do that. Okay. Uh, bottom line is, is it's about the elite quarterbacks. You don't have an elite quarterback, you don't have nothing. So the Titans acting like they have their their stuff all straightened out. No, they don't. And good for the Packers for trying to be aggressive. I just don't think that they should have uh, taken Jordan Love uh, at that point. Trading up to get him, especially at that point. All right, let's take a look uh, at the pros and cons for every first-round selection last night. Don't worry, we're not going to do every selection, but I'm curious as to what ESPN has to say as far as the, the, the cons. As far as Joe Burrow's concerned, was he the best player in the draft? No. Was he the best pick in the draft? No, but he was the best pick in the draft for the team that he went to. Like He was the number one player for what Cincinnati needed. Uh, there were good quarterbacks out there. Tua would not have provided Cincinnati what they needed. Justin Herbert would not have provided uh, Cincinnati what they needed. It was Joe Burrow, as I've said before. It goes above and beyond what he can do with the ball in his hand. It's about the way the fans are reacting. The fans went nuts last night. Mm-hmm. They went nuts last night. Uh, they're all hypocrites. <laughs> Bengals fans are hypocrites. I, I mean, I'm, I'm going to ask you, Bengals fans, why are you excited about Joe Burrow? He hasn't done anything yet. Isn't that the same excuse you told me why I couldn't be excited about Baker Mayfield? Oh, let's not get too excited about Baker. He hasn't done anything yet. Oh, let's. Oh, but we can get excited about Joe Burrow. You guys are hilarious. You're cute. You're adorable. Good for you. You got Joe Burrow. Now, let's see what he does. Because I'm going to give you the same treatment you gave me until he proves something. I'm not impressed. So there you go. There's that. Four five seven nine four six four. Uh, but when it talks about the biggest question for Joe Burrow here on the article put out by ESPN.com, talking about the pros and the cons to each first-round selection, um, the the concern for Joe Burrow in Cincinnati. Does Burrow have the arm the arm strength? That always cracks me up. The arm strength. You know, in the NFL right now. The reason that there's talk about the importance of having a dominant pass rusher versus having a dominant secondary is. There's concern right now about putting all your money into pass rushers because quarterbacks are getting rid of the ball so quickly now that it almost defeats the purpose of having a pass rusher because if your quarterback's not taking you know, longer than a three-step drop, if they're just trying to you know, drop back quick and release it, what's the point of having that pass rusher? You need to have good linebackers. You need to have dominant you know, interior, line, interior play linebackers and secondary. So to me, the arm strength thing, yes, you can maybe be concerned about it, but the NFL game is not as... You know, these big chunk plays is what you think. Yes, you yeah, need to have the arm the, to do it, but, I mean, it's the dink passes right now and the quick releases, the quick outs. Yeah, it's not the 90s where you take a eight-step drop and throwing a bomb deep to Jerry Rice or Andre Rising. You know, the game is different. I think the pass rush is still necessary, obviously, but I think it's where the pass rush comes from. If the pass rush is coming up the middle, if you, I think that is more effective nowadays than a quick twitch guy off the edge. Mm-hmm. You know, those guys 
obviously serve a purpose, but the big guys that can do both, that can stuff the run and cause havoc in the pass game as well. I like those type of guys. It goes on to say that the Bengals had some questions about when watching the early... The Bengals had some questions about when watching the early part of Burrow's 2019 tape, talking about the arm strength. Uh, It says, but Burrow completed 56% of his passes of 20 uh, air yards or more, according to ESPN stats and information. Okay. You know, it... Look, if if that's what you're nitpicking at this point, I think you're fine because you're always going to find something to nitpick about a quarterback. I mean, you there's you can make a bunch of bullet points about Tom Brady, but he wins. Mm-hmm. He leads. So, uh, I mean, that's all that matters at this point. Chase Young, uh, defensive end of Ohio State, going uh, to the Washington Redskins. This cracks me up. It says, "What's the concern that the Redskins have about Joe? Or about uh, you know about Chase Young?" What jersey number will he wear? Really? <laughs> That's what one of their. I mean, what jersey number? Which jersey number will he wear? There aren't many questions aside from whether he can live up to the pre-draft hype and become this year's generation player. How long will it take to make an impact? Look, we've seen from pat, dominant pass rushers like Nick Bosa, uh, like Joey Bosa, uh, that you can have an immediate impact. And in fact, when you look at the 49ers turn around uh, and you look how quickly the defense for the the Chargers became dominant, it's because you inserted those dominant pass rushers. Same thing with the Browns. Even that, you know, 0-16 year, they still had a dominant pass rusher in Miles Garrett. He made an impact. Keep in mind, that year the Browns were 0-16. I'm not justifying that they were good or anything, but they never got blown out. They were in every game, every week. They were a competitive group at that. You're going to go and try to I'm find like fact two. check. Go down the stretch, especially down the stretch. They got better as the season went on. Go ahead, fact check. I'm just, you know, I, I gotta, I gotta make sure you're on the up and up. Four, five, seven, nine, four, uh, six, four. Jeff Akuda going at number three again. It's the strengths and, uh, you know, the pros and cons to each pick. ESPN's article that they put out. While he's a better position, while he's in a better position than most corners coming into the league, it will be an adjustment without off-season workouts against wide receivers. It's going to be a situation in which Akuda will be learning on the fly throughout portions of the season. Well, that's not really a weakness because that's a, a shared weakness amongst every rookie coming into the league. If your concern for Jeff Akuda is that there's not going to be individual workouts or preseason, you know, rookie, you know, minicamp, I'm sorry, but that, that that's just, to me, I'm not going to let that count. I'm not going to let that count because that's every rookie. That's every veteran right now. Everyone's going to struggle within the amount of reps and teamwork that they're going to be able to put in this offseason. So to me, that's I'm done reading this. This is bad. That these, these be, are, this is a w- dumb article. I'm that should be it. only for quarterbacks. Yeah, I agree with you. Only on that. for quarterbacks. That I mean, Okuda is a very athletic and smart player. But I mean, that's only for quarterbacks. Like all that other stuff, I'm not buying, man. Maybe. Uh, yeah, just for quarterbacks only. I'm not buying that. So, but like every weakness so far has been dumb. Like I'm not. I'm done with this ESPN article. This is a bad one. Usually, I'm like I'm interested in the headline. The you know the the pros and cons of each pick. If the if the con is oh what jersey number he's going to wear really and you're wasting my time reading this and I'm wasting our listeners' time going through it. So we're done with that. Let's go to Cliff in Dayton. Cliff, how are you, man? Clifford, what's up? I'm all right. Um, I don't know. I'm just thinking that Trey Young it's not going to be that good in the NFL. The reason why I say that is because you're about Chase. Yeah, Chase Young. Yeah, Chase Young. Yeah, Chase Young. yeah um, he had two mediocre games and the bigger games, the biggest games that Ohio State had. And is he just going to be quicker than everybody? He's not really a big, bulky. I think he's more muscular, I would say, but he's not like one of the big, bulky type guys I'm used to seeing playing this position. I guess he's just going to be quicker than everybody. But I just I hope I'm wrong because I like the guy. But uh, I'm just something about me saying he's not going to he's not going to dominate like he like he's supposed to, because those two games were some of the biggest games that Ohio State had. I think it was the Wisconsin game and the Michigan game. 
Well, Michigan, Wisconsin, and really in, into Clemson. Now, when you talk about not dominating, I, I understand your point to a degree. Uh, from a statistical standpoint, his numbers didn't pop off the page. Uh, but one thing, when you look at how offenses scheme to attack a, a defense, they ran everything opposite away from Chase Young. They did everything they could to stay away from Chase Young. Him just being out on the – and I definitely get what you're saying, okay, because I agree with you. The numbers didn't look great down the stretch, but he's the type of dominant player that his presence alone changes how the opponent – runs an offense, and, and that definitely yeah. had an impact against Clemson, uh, against Wisconsin and Michigan down the stretch. He he made an impact, but you're right, though, from a statistical standpoint, no, he did not jump off the page. And as far as a player comp for him, I thought they made a good comp last night for him, Jadavion Clowney. He's the same. I mean, he looks, they're built the exact same. They look the same. Yeah. And Jadavion Clowney's asking for $17, 20000000 million a year right now, so uh, he's in good yeah. company. <laughs> yeah, but I think every game in the NFL going to be a big game, so... If he can come through, if he can come through in the NFL in some of these games, then I mean I might be wrong, but it's just I'll call you back and see and see where we're at. <laughs> that sounds like a plan, man. Great hearing from you. Right. Have a great weekend. Okay, bye. Four five seven nine four six four. I think Chase Young will be okay. I thought it was interesting. Mel Kiper, you know, when they were doing the instant reaction to the, the Redskins taking Chase Young, right away they said, you know, what really made and I don't. I don't agree or believe this whatsoever. But they said that the reason that it made Joe Burrow to the Bengals so easy is because Dwayne, or because Dwayne, is because Chase Young struggled those last three games. It made it easy for the. I thought that was a dumb comment when Mel Kiper said that. I mean, literally, right after they announced it, they go into, look, he's the best player in the draft, and they believe that the only reason that the Bengals had such an easy choice picking Joe Burrow is because. You know, you look at Chase Young's numbers the last three games of the season. He struggled, and that's what made it easy for them to stick with Joe Burrow. I don't, I don't even care. If, even if he had five sacks in every game the last three, it was not going to lead to the Bengals taking Chase Young. They sure they considered it when you have a player that dominant, yes. But no, Joe Burrow was always going to be the pick for the Bengals, especially after the way that he closed out the season. I would urge everybody to go back and look at those last three games of the season. Ain't like we got too much else to do. And only focus on Chase Young. One, in the Michigan game, Michigan was smart. They blocked him with three guys. Mm -hmm. That allowed other guys to cause havoc. That helps your team. In the Wisconsin game, Wisconsin wised up and chipped him every single play, which helped the other guys on the team make plays. In the Clemson game, he caused havoc. No, he didn't get any sacks, but he caused havoc. And they shut down the run game. And the only reason that they started running their quarterback is because they couldn't run the running back with it because Chase Young shut that down on the edge. Go back, watch the games. Don't listen to these guys as just only look at raw numbers and stats and stuff like that. Actually watch the game. See what they do. Use your eyes. Don't simply rely on stats. Please go back and watch those games. He caused havoc against Clemson. Yeah, we talked about that. I think last week we discussed that when I said a lot of people are sleeping on Chase Young. That we're not, you know, when we were talking about him at the end of the season, I mean, everyone was drooling over him. Um, and, you know, I think he lost a lot of momentum amongst Buckeye fans as far as that's concerned. So, with that being said, I think that, you know, Chase, it was what we just discussed and basically what you just said to reiterate. His impact, just it, him being on the field changes the, the right. way a game is, is played. I mean, the way the, uh, the the opponent, they run to the opposite side of the field. All their plays are designed uh, to give their quarterback as much time to avoid the to avoid the rush, to avoid the pressure. And if that means rolling out opposite side, uh, to you know, basically you're going to shrink the field to just one half or whatever just to get away from him. Bottom line is, is just because his numbers didn't pop off in the box score, it doesn't mean that he didn't have an impact. He had an impact. We got spoiled from strip sacks. 
You know, he's well, getting strip sacks every other play. Or it's called he played real opponents down the stretch, too. <laughs> oh, here we go. Here we go. What? You mean Miami of Ohio? Did it have the same... Uh, uh, the same beast to be able to kind of match up with him. You, you mean you mean what? That, that's not common sense. Oh, oh, they're a really it. good team in the MAC. That's a really good team. Oh, in Cincinnati, you know, that's a good football team. Uh, I found it. Break. I found a clip on YouTube. Chase Young versus Clemson, 2019. It spotlights only his plays. It's about 12 minutes long. Everybody, go back and it's watch that. Just one that. play on loop. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, we'll be back in a moment. Don't go anywhere. Justin Kidder Show, right here on ESPN Dayton, 1410 Wing AM. 1410 Wing Live, our new social media live show that we debuted earlier this week. Today's guest was Reds Hall of Famer Marty Brenneman, or at least will be a Reds Hall of Famer. I guess his induction obviously being put off a bit due to the fact, actually by this point he should have already been inducted. But uh, it's going to be, you know, it was a fun conversation with him earlier today. Marty Brenneman, Reds Hall of Famer, was, uh, on the pod, or was on the show with me earlier today. We do a Facebook and Twitter live show uh, where we have a different guest on every day beginning next week. It'll be every Tuesday and Thursday, okay? So every Tuesday and Thursday at noon, uh, 1410 Wing Live. Uh, we will bring you a different guest every Tuesday and Thursday at noon. So we did one every day this week just to debut the show, just to kick it off. Marty Brenneman was awesome today. Folks, you remember when Trevor Bauer um, had come out about a month ago and, and had stated that it was in a Q&A, and he was asked about what the biggest issue with baseball is today, and he said that the biggest issue with baseball today is the critical announcers. Well, I have been waiting to talk to Marty again to be able to, to ask him what he had to th- what he thought about that discussion uh, about the comments from Trevor Bauer. Well, he responded, and I'm telling you, folks, if you're a wrestling fan and you love good WWE, you know promos. Marty Brenneman just cut the sickest promo on Trevor Bauer that you will ever hear, and you heard it, brother. You heard it. I mean, Hulk Hogan would even be like, oh, man, i got to write that down. That's a good one. Marty Brenneman went off on Trevor Bauer today, and it was excellent. And I'm going to have that for you coming up at the top of the hour. I know we have a lot of NFL draft to get into, um, but really good stuff for Marty Brenneman, so I'm looking forward to that. All right, 457-9464. Uh, it's the Justin Kenner Show live here on 1410 ESPN Radio. We'll get to our 1410 Wing Live interview with Marty Brenneman coming up at the top of the hour. Also, coming up around the corner, we'll get into the Justin Kinner Show top headlines. We'll get back into some draft talk. Also, Buckeye fans, i got a favor to ask of you. We're going to get into this in the second hour as well, but we we got to we, we all got to do, we all got to come together as one. And we all have to work together. And we got to do our best to let LSU have all the credit for Joe Burrow. Buckeye fans, you honestly need to stop trying to take credit for Joe Burrow last night. I have no problem in the draft when the first three picks were selected, when it was Joe Burrow, Chase Young, and Jeff Okuda. I have no problem with the with ESPN acknowledging that how cool is that, that all three of them were teammates at one point back in 2017 with Ohio State. All three of them were recruited by Urban Meyer. All three of them have reached the NFL, um, obviously. But I'm telling you right now, you cannot take credit for Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow did not beat out JT Barrett. Joe Burrow did not beat out Dwayne Haskins. Joe Burrow did not play at a high level when he was at LSU the first year, and I did not hear Buckeye fans chirping about Joe Burrow his first year at LSU. 
Well, when if you can't if you can't support Joe Burrow at his 16 touchdown, 3,000 yard season, then you can't support him at his Heisman winning, record breaking, national championship drafted number one overall to the Cincinnati Bengals, Joe Burrow. You cannot have it both ways. So it really irritates me when I am looking around and I'm seeing all these posts on Twitter last night of oh three straight Buckeyes take it. No, Joe Burrow's a tiger. Go Tigers. He, he's an LSU tiger. Ed or- I give Ed Orgeron all the credit for building Joe Burrow. Uh, Joe Brady, I give all the credit in the world for building Joe Burrow. All right? Because, like I said, Joe Burrow couldn't beat out JT Barrett. He couldn't beat out Dwayne Haskins. He comes to LSU. He only throws for 16 touchdowns. He only throws for 3,000 yards. All right? He didn't even, I mean, he was graded as a late, you know, late draft pick and basically a project in the NFL. And then Ed Orgeron figured it out. All right, Joe Brady figured it out. They figured it out. They were able to sculpt him into what into the quarterback that he was this season. Obviously, Joe Burrow puts in a lot of work. I'm not going to sit there and act like he's, you know, a mindless piece of clay that you know has to be formed by someone else. He put in the work. Don't get me wrong. But I didn't hear Buckeye fans chanting about him in 2018. Everyone was saying, "Oh, we definitely made the right decision," which the Buckeyes did, taking Dwayne Haskins. I had no problem with that. Joe Burrow emerged as a star at LSU, not at Ohio State. So stop saying that, oh, that's a Buckeye. It took a Buckeye to beat Alabama last year. LSU and the Tigers, they couldn't beat Alabama until they got a Buckeye. Like, well, how come Joe Burrow couldn't beat Alabama the year before? What happened there? I don't hear Florida fans taking credit for Cam Newton. I don't hear, I didn't hear any Florida fans saying, oh, man. Oh, man, a Gator going number one overall, man. <laughs> oh, man, a, a Gator winning a Heisman. All right, I, I mean, a, a Gator winning a national championship. But then when he got caught in the cheating scandal, it's, oh, man, that Auburn, <laughs> that Auburn Tiger, I tell you, you know. But we got to stop. Stop taking credit for Joe Burrow, Buckeye fans. You, you can't have him. He was once yours. Urban Meyer couldn't figure out how to use him. Urban Meyer couldn't figure out how to ah, develop him. See, you had me. We were we were vibing until you went yes. there. I'm sorry, but that's not how true. come Ed Orgeron figured out how that's to use him? That's not true. That's very true. That is not that's true. That's so true. That he, is not true. He didn't blossom under Urban's watch. How come he, uh, dumb old Ed Orgeron, all of a sudden Another figured player out? was better than him. Oh, Really? Because the Joe Burrow, the first year at LSU, didn't look that good either. And well, I agree with you. He was out. better. But that's my point. He got beat out. He got beat out. But... Again, was Dwayne Haskins as impressive as what Joe Burrow was this past year? This past year? Yeah. I mean, I think it was up for debate. Nope, not for debate. Thank you. I think All it was right. definitely up for debate for who had a better season. Yeah, he, Joe, won the Heisman. They won a national championship. But just individual play, I think it's that's up for debate. You can Stats don't tell you everything. I think how they play is a different thing. But you had me until you went there. You, we were on the same page until you went there. What? Ed Orgeron did a better job with Joe Burrow than Urban Meyer did. Urban Meyer didn't get him there. He, how many years was he? He was three years. Urban Meyer couldn't figure out how to use him in three years. What you mean figure out how to use him? It was other players that beat him out. Beat him out. J- JT Barrett? JT Barrett doesn't beat uh, out that Joe Burrow. Here if, we go. If, no, 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 here no. Here we go. If Urban Meyer figured out how to get Joe Burrow to look like he did last year, JT Barrett's not the quarterback. One, the offense totally changed for Dwayne Haskins, true or false? Yes. They had more offensive weapons. They went to a more passing-friendly offense. At that time, at same that practices, time, same opportunities. At that time, the Ohio State offense was in transition. If if Joe was to beat out Dwayne Haskins, we have been seeing more quarterback draws and zone reads because 
Joe Burrow is far more athletic than Dwayne Haskins. The offense wouldn't have emerged as the way it did. What do you think about that? Say that one more time. Sorry, I got distracted. Someone was sending me something. All I was saying was if Joe Burrow would have beat out Dwayne Haskins, I think we would have been seeing more of the quote-unquote JT style of offense with quarterback draws on third and five and stuff like that instead of drag routes and passing around the ball because of Joe's athleticism being far greater than Dwayne Haskins. He went down to LSU, had a regular junior year. They brought in Joe Brady. They switched up their offense. Because someone was smart enough to figure out how to use That's not true. He got beat out by a better player. No, but you're not listening. Look, you just said that LSU finally had to change up the offense to fit his strengths. Why couldn't Urban Meyer figure that out? That's not him figuring out. That is Dwayne Haskins being better than him. If they ran the offense to Joe Burrow's strength, because that's who they wanted originally. If they, they would have ran to the, Joe Burrow could run that. So you mean to tell me that Joe Burrow could have run that offense to Dwayne Haskins? If they would have ran that offense, he would have got beat out by Haskins as well. Joe Burrow, it's not a Buckeye. Knock it's it off. Not, I didn't say it was a Buckeye. Knock it off. I didn't say LSU it was a Buckeye. I or drawn figured it out. Figured it out or lucked up. Figured it out. I'm going to go with lucked up. You don't walk up. You don't walk up from 60 I'm touchdowns gonna, to 60. No, 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 That's no, no, not not him. Luck. Not him, not Joe. I'm talking about Orgeron. Orgeron? No, because he fi- he made the you toughest. W- it, listen, look at the coaches who have won national championships the last few years. Coaches who aren't afraid to make drastic changes to give themselves you know, opportunities to win. Urban Meyer would not change anything. He stuck with JT Barrett, and that's why they only won one they national changed championship the last year. Dwayne Haskins. Again... They had no choice. JT was out the door. But I'm talking about, like, with the same quarterback. With the same quarterback. Right? Look at the fact that, you know, two attack of Iloa. Nick Saban makes a tough decision to switch quarterback. The coaches that show the guts to be able to make those big changes. I that's why they win national championships. That was such a tough decision. Ew, are you kidding me? Oh, hold not up. We're out of time. Decision. Hold up. Hold up. What, not what, a tough decision. You know what? The Marty Brenneman interview, we're going to push back a little bit because we're not. I'm not done with you. So here's the deal. 457-9464. The phone lines are back open. Uh, we got to get into this hour, too. We're going to carry this over. All I ask is, as one, Buckeye fans, unite as one. Stop taking credit for Joe Burrow. We'll pick up with this on the the other side. If you want a chance to win $1,000, head to wingam.com. Enter the support local business $1,000 a day giveaway keyword Milano's. Enter Milano's at wingam.com for your chance to win $1,000. Hour two coming up. It's time for some straight talk. You know what a full court press is in basketball, right? Full defensive coverage with no holes. Well, that's the kind of coverage you get with Straight Talk Wireless. It runs on America's best 4G LTE networks, same as the big carriers, but just for a lot less. Just 45 bucks a month gets you the unlimited plan with 25 gigs of high-speed data, then 2G, saving you up to half the cost of the big carriers. No contract. Full court coverage, half the cost. Straight Talk Wireless. Everything for less. Savings may vary. See terms and conditions at straighttalk.com. Right now, it feels like the world's standing still. But if you look to the land, it's a whole different story. From farms to backyards, wheels are turning, seeds are being planted, animals are getting fed, grass is growing, and families are giving their all to the soil. Because no matter how uncertain things get, the land never stops. So to all those linked to the land, John Deere says thank you. We're here for you because we all run together. Nothing runs like a deer. The Crohn's and Colitis Foundation has been at the forefront of inflammatory bowel disease research and care for over 50 years. Learn more about research, education, and support at Crohn'sColitisFoundation.org. Your show, live here on ESPN Dayton, 9464. We now send you to the Wing Studios in Kettering. Here's your host, Justin Kinner. 
Welcome back. It's the Justin Kinner Show live here on Dayton's ESPN Radio, 1410 Wing AM. Make sure you're following and subscribing. The Justin Kinner Show podcast in your Apple iTunes store, Google Play store. Everything we do here on the show from 3 to 6 is accessible right there in your Apple uh, Apple Play store, Google Play store. So make sure you take advantage of that download and subscribe to the Justin Kinner Show podcast today. Every interview we do, select segments, shows in their entirety are all located right there. You can also access those at wingam.com. 1410 Wing Live, ESPN uh, Dayton's newest social media live show that we debuted this week. Every day this past week at noon, uh, we had a different guest for you to talk about some of the top headlines going on around in the world of sports. Today we had uh, Hall of Famer Marty Brenneman. We're going to have that interview coming up for you here. I'm going to push that back till 4.30. Uh, he, had, he did not hold back. If you thought Marty didn't hold back when he uh, had some you know, handcuffs around him, uh, being an active member of the Reds broadcast team. You should hear him in today's interview. I'm telling you, the cuffs were off. We discussed Trevor Bauer coming out and saying, hey, uh, the biggest issue with baseball today is the broadcasters being too critical. Well, we wonder. I wonder who he was talking about. I discussed that with Marty Brenneman. Marty Brenneman, in his words... Said that well, basically, I, you, you kind of have to listen to. It. I'm telling you right now, Marty Brunneman went released a WWE promo on Trevor Bauer, basically just undressing him. Unbelievable stuff. So we're going to have that coming up here at 4:30. Let's pick up with this conversation here. You and I had a good talk about, you know, during the break. But look, it's annoying. I saw Schlemmer put this on his Facebook page last night, and him and I discussed this when we had the Kinder and Schlemmer show rolling last year about. We noticed that in 2018, when Joe Burrow was only throwing for 3,000 yards and only threw 16 touchdown passes, I didn't sense the once a Buckeye, always a Buckeye pride that everyone is waving today. Uh, I didn't get the sense that when he was average or below average and wasn't going to be looked at as a first-round draft pick, I didn't feel that Buckeye fans were ready to use him uh, to, to brag and to make them feel better about themselves. By the way, last night was a hell of a draft for Ohio State. And yes, I know that Joe Burrow coming out of Ohio State would have meant even more, but I'm telling you, and had he been the quarterback, that would have been amazing to see three straight Buckeyes go boom, boom, boom. But it wasn't three straight Buckeyes. The, un- you know, the uniqueness of it was that all three had played together at one point, but Joe Burrow is as good as not a Buckeye. He's an LSU Tiger. Bottom line, period. It's it is what it's not even unfortunate. It is what it is. I have no issue with Dwayne Haskins beating out Joe Burrow years ago to be the starter. You saw that Joe Burrow did not have what it takes to beat out J.T. Barrett or Dwayne Haskins. You saw that J, that Joe Burrow had a lot to work on his first year at LSU. Very, you know, just above average. I mean, he wasn't a great quarterback, uh, and LSU didn't do anything special in his first year. Then all of a sudden, just all the changes, all the tweaks that they made, all the weapons around Joe Burrow, just it was a perfect storm. It literally was a perfect storm for Joe Burrow this season. Unbelievable. From the Heisman type of season he had to capping it off with the national championship. I mean, we haven't seen that. We've only seen that happen uh, a few times, actually four times to be exact, to where a player wins a national title, uh, to you know, wins a Heisman, wins a national title, and then becomes the first overall pick. Uh, you want to look back to 1943, 1944, uh, Angelo Bertelli and Leon Hart uh, did it again in 1949, both players out of Notre Dame. Cam Newton did it in 2010, 2011, winning a Heisman, winning a national championship, being drafted and picked number one overall, and then Joe Burrow doing it tonight, or doing it last night. Jameis Winston. No, he Jameis won his freshman year. Yeah. Not his sophomore year. Hmm. So you oh, had me yeah, going there for yeah. I was like, wait, what? Did I get one wrong? I was See? like, no, no Jameis won. I told Drake earlier today. I was like, oh, yeah, he's my fact checker. He always asked that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, but, no, it was a hell of a year. But it was an LSU player's year. It wasn't a Buckeye year. 
And I just, I don't know why. It's not that big a deal. I'm not losing sleep at night over it. I don't even know why I'm bringing it up on the air. But I just, social media irritated me last night. I got tired of seeing it. Schlemmer posted it on his page, and I thought it was hilarious. It's true. Buckeye fans, stop taking credit for Joe Burrow. Because, and you brought up a great point. Look at Tate Martell. Tate Martell was well below. I mean, he was, and I, Joe Burrow didn't even have a bad first year with LSU. It just was, it was, the just, average it was just the average year. Tate Martell had a way worse year than that. And I didn't hear anybody this year saying, oh, man, I feel for Tate Martell. Once a Buckeye, always a Buckeye. Are you once a Buckeye, always a Buckeye when things are going well? Or are you once a Buckeye, always a Buckeye when things are going bad? Because I don't sense that Buckeye pride with Tate Martell right now. But what if Tate Martell comes out this year with Miami and just kills it and just wins the starting quarterback job and is right there as a finalist for a Heisman? Are we going to hear, oh, man, another year where a, a former Buckeye's a, a Heisman finalist, man. Go Buckeyes. Go Tate Martell. I'm rooting for him. What's a Buckeye? You can't be that hypocritical. You cannot be that person that only pulls for guys when they have success, and then when they don't have success, you're not pulling for them. You brought up Matthew Baldwin. Where's the Matthew Baldwin people at? Yeah, I think we got a better shot at Matthew Baldwin winning a Heisman and making a splash in college football than Tate Martell. I'm sorry. Where are the other transfers at left here? Uh, Trayvon Grimes down in Florida. Once a Buckeye, was a Buckeye. Um, who else we got? We had uh, last year, I believe, Antonio Williams was at North Carolina. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Once a Buckeye, was a Buckeye. Um, There's a ton of Buckeyes out there because you know why Ohio State brings in a ton of talent and guys get beat out and they have to transfer other places. But it doesn't seem like we follow up with these guys unless they're making a crazy impact. You know, I mean, just keep that same energy on everybody. You know, let's, if it's truly once a guy, always a guy, let's keep that going. I mean, let's not just pick and choose just because guys are doing great. I didn't see um, Alabama players or staffs being all super hyped that now that Alvin Kamara is a great running back in the NFL. He went to Alabama. He transferred. He went to Tennessee. I hear the Tennessee people talking because he balled for Tennessee. He didn't ball for Bama. Yeah, and, and by the way, I'm not advocating for people to boo Joe Burrow or hate Joe Burrow. What I'm saying is, is you could be ha- like I was pumped for Joe Burrow. I was pro Joe Burrow all year lo- all year long. But never once did I look at him and say, "Oh man, he's only successful because he's a former Buckeye." <laughs> because if you were if you were only successful because you once played for Ohio State, then Tate Martell would not have become the joke that he was last year. Right. Uh, you would hear more about a lot of these players that transfer out of Ohio State, and you don't. So that's all, Buckeye fans. Stop it. You had a great draft. Number two. Number three. Number what? 16, 3, it should have been, I thought for sure they'd get 4, uh, because I thought J.K. would go to, to Kansas City late. He'll be picked early in the second round, potentially by Tampa Bay. Ron, Ron's wearing me out on Facebook here. Just He's excited about all the running back talent that dropped into the second round. You know that's probably what Tampa's going to do. Good for them. That, that's all I'm trying to say. Bottom line is, it was a hell of a draft last night. With that being said... You but before you move on, yep. I want to make sure everybody understands. We are both happy for Joe Burrow. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Not only because he did play at Ohio State, but he is from the state of Ohio. And he had a great senior season. He won the Heisman. He broke all kinds of records. He's a Cincinnati Bengal now. I'm no That's longer, Ohio through and through, man. Yeah, but I, be it that I'm a students fan, I'm no longer rooting for him at all. But... <laughs> Oh, yeah, but yeah. that's the way it goes. So, and like, and some of message, he graduated from Ohio State. Who cares? I don't care about that. <laughs> I think the people are missing my point. My point is, is I'm pointing out the hypocrisy amongst Buckeye fans. If Buckeye fans had the same love for Joe Burrow in 2018 when he was not Heisman winning, national championship winning, going number one overall, Joe Burrow, 
Like Buckeye fans, you only want to be supportive when it's convenient to make you look good. That's the problem I have. Stop being hypocrites. When Joe Burrow was only throwing 16 touchdowns and only throwing 3,000 yards, you weren't waving the flag of, oh, man, he graduated from Ohio State once a Buckeye was a Buckeye. You were mum. You were were quiet. You weren't saying anything about him. But now because he's doing all this, now you want to break out the Buckeye flag and start doing the OH and all that? Stop it. I know. There you go. (laughs) Well played. All right. We move on. Four five seven nine four six four. If you have some, if you want to chime in on that, if you think we're wrong, tell us why are we wrong on that. What, I mean, Joe Burrow, again, I'm. Gonna, and by the way, when they were showing highlights of him at Ohio State like last night, how cool would that be though? If he what like if he did finish at Ohio State and like he imagine that season for Ohio State like Justin Fields' season was magnificent, but like imagine Joe Burrow doing that at Ohio State. Everything from the Heisman winning season to winning the national championship to being selected number one. Oh my God. Like, I'd, I get goosebumps thinking about it. Like, I'm not anti Joe Burrow. I'm just saying, like, it didn't happen here. So lay off, like, guy fans. Let LSU enjoy it because they, trust me, <laughs> if it was the other way around, like, we wouldn't be, you know, people get, like, Georgia's not taking credit for the success that Justin Fields is having over here at Ohio State. <laughs> that is a fact. <laughs> so there you go. Florida wasn't allowed to take credit for what Cam Newton did at Auburn. So let, let's just quit it with that. That's all. Um, but yeah, man, that would have been cool. To see that, if that was the case. All right. Um, when you look at the three Buckeyes that were drafted last night, Chase Young, Jeff Okuda, Damon Ornett. Damon Ornett, if you're just tuning in to the Justin Kinner show, that was probably the second biggest surprise of the first round. Would you? I think there was only two surprises last night. The, the, the first, the, I think the Damon Ornett surprise was an interesting one. I don't know how much that shocked people outside of Buckeye country, but I think it shocked a lot of Buckeye fans. Not because they didn't think he was good enough, but I, I just don't think anyone really expected that, especially that high. Um, and not a lot of mock drafts had him there. But Jordan Love going to the Packers, to me, is still the the surprise of the night. That was the main takeaway from the draft last night. What about yeah, you? What's yeah, your main takeaway? It's up there. It's definitely up there, number one for me, with Jordan Love. You know, Just because it is a Hall of Fame quarterback, and a Hall of Fame quarterback that – could use some more weapons if they really want to make a one last run at the Super Bowl for him. I mean, I know they were in the NFC Championship game last year, but they didn't stand a chance because their backups were hurt. You know, mm-hmm. they weren't any playmakers out there because everybody was hurt and they had to rely on Aaron Rodgers. So for them to say, you know what, let's start thinking about the future and get our next quarterback in line as opposed to giving our Hall of Fame quarterback some more weapons was quite alarming. Also, with the Damon Arnett, we talked about this in hour one, like the fact that he stayed at Ohio State, got better, and now all that hard work paid off, the sacrifice paid off is, is pretty cool. No, and Deb, and we talked about how that, that to me is the real recruiting story right there because Ohio State is able to, you know, Chase Young, no one's surprised that he went to the NFL. I mean, he was dominant every year. Damon Arnett was a developmental type of talent that, and to be fair, I shouldn't say developmental type of talent because everyone had high expectations for when he came to Ohio State. He didn't live up to them right away, but he continued to fight, continued to get better every day, and then you saw how he was rewarded for it, not just with the great season he had in his senior year that you know ended in the college football playoff against Clemson, but it ended with him being selected as one of the surprise picks in the first round of last night's NFL draft. So uh, that that's just a good feel-good story for, for Buckeye fans out there when you look at just how good this coaching staff is, not just at recruiting, but actually coaching them up. Um, and I don't think you can have one without the other you can't remain one of the top recruiting programs in the country if you cannot prove that you can take care of those guys absolutely and like, like if you notice have you noticed that kentucky's talent has in basketball has dipped over yeah. the years 
And I said that the dangerous part about living and swimming in those waters is, is if you can't continuously prove that you could swim in that deep end, you're you know, going to get less and less activity over there. What I mean is, is that at first, Calipari was proving that if you're 18 and you're out of high school, then we can, if, if we could win with all freshmen. He did it early in his run at Kentucky, winning a net, but he hasn't won one since 2012. It's seven years. And I think that's why you're starting to see a lot of the top talent say, man, we have more success going here, more success going there, a better chance to win over here. And Ohio State and the football side of things is they're getting that top talent and they're getting them to the NFL. They're winning a lot of games. They're getting to the playoff. Alabama's doing the same thing. Clemson's doing the same thing. That It's getting the talent but showing that you're going to take care of them and get them to the ultimate which is the NFL to where they want to get paid. With the Calipari thing, I think it has something to do with the NBA. Like, during Calipari's first stint with Kentucky, it was right when LeBron and D-Wade, they were all teamed up. So it seemed like the big guys out of high school were teaming up with your DeMarcus Cousins, your John Walls, teaming up to go to a place and then you had that with Anthony Davis and uh, Giltress they all like kind of like had a destination but now it seems like guys are going back onto that well let me go somewhere that I can show what I can do like the kid from Georgia like he was all set to go to um, Florida State with a it was a was a team but he went to Georgia so he could put up his 20 shots a game he can be the one-man show, and all right, now I'm going to the pros. Like I think it's going back to that. And then you have the situation with the G League and then overseas as well. So the team-up thing in college basketball, I don't think that's going to happen too much anymore. No, I mean, look, we saw look, Ohio State did that with Michael Conley, Greg Oden. Mm-hmm. They did that in the early 2000s, uh, and that w- they did that before it was a thing, technically. Yeah. Um, and that was an interesting move uh, right there. That was still one of my all-time favorite teams. I know they won uh. the national championship. I fell in love with college basketball because of that team. Now, I think a lot of it had to do, they had some players, like Jamar Butler, um, played in the same league, in the same conference that my high school was in, the WBL up north. So, like, you know, I was always kind of following along with what he was doing. Now, he came a little bit later, obviously, but I fell in love with college basketball whenever I was, you know, watching Mike Conley, Greg Oden, and those guys. And then, yeah, it just, that, that class, I love that. I, obviously, Butler came later, but, I mean, mm-hmm. I fell in love with college basketball with that team, with that group right there. It was unreal. Unreal. All right. Uh, We'll step away for a few minutes. Coming up around the corner, you look at the three Buckeyes that were drafted last night, Chase Young, Jeff Okuda, Damon Arnett. Which of those three Buckeyes will have the better rookie season? Who will have the most impact for their respective team in 2020? We'll get to that coming up around the corner. We have the Justin Kinner Show top headlines. We also have coming up here in five minutes, we'll get into the 1410 Wing Live interview with Marty Brenneman. Trevor Bauer. Had some choice words for the criti- for the critical broadcasters out there. Although Marty Brenneman is retired and no longer calling games for the Reds, me and him discussed that today. It was about a month ago when Trevor Bauer made those comments, but Marty Brenneman still commented on him as if it was fresh, and he did not hold back. He unleashed on Trevor Bauer. I have that audio next. Now, back to the Justin Kinner Show, right here on ESPN Dayton, 1410 Wing AM. 1410 Wing Live is our new social media live show on Facebook and Twitter Live. Twitter's Periscope, of course. Uh, we go live on Twitter at 1410 Kenner, as well as on Facebook on 1410 ESPN Radio's Facebook page. Every day around noon, we did this week with a different guest uh, just to introduce the show to you. Starting next week, every Tuesday and Thursday, you will uh, exp- you'll get the chance to watch the, uh, the 1410 Wing Live show every Tuesday and Thursday at noon. Today, we had Marty Brenneman on. 
Marty Burnham, and of course, and I will step away from the NFL draft talk. We'll get back into that coming up in the five o'clock hour. But I will say this: Marty was just money today. Marty was amazing today. He did not hold back. Him and Trevor Bauer uh, had a you know Trevor Bauer had some interesting comments about Marty Burnham uh, about a month ago. You know, basically saying the biggest problem with baseball is you have broadcasters who are too critical of the team. Marty Burnham, well, he didn't really care for that, and you should hear exactly what he had to say about uh, Trevor Bauer in the broadcast uh, from earlier today. So here's Marty Burnham from fourteen. 1910 Wing Live earlier this afternoon. Marty, welcome in, sir. It's been a while. How are you? Yeah, I'm doing fine, Justin. Good to see you, pal. I appreciate you taking time and hanging out with us. So, uh, listen, I know, you broadcast, you know you've been a Reds broadcaster for 46 years. I think it's safe to say you can argue that, hey, I've seen it all and I've experienced it all. I don't think you could say that about this experience that Major League Baseball is going through right now. No, I don't think anybody has ever experienced anything like this. And uh, you know, it, it tests, it's the ultimate test of one's patience, uh, because you've got to adhere to what the so-called experts say you have to do to, to minimize, uh, the, uh, the passing along this virus from person to person. And, and, uh, Amanda and I have pretty much been cooped up in the house and every now and then we'll go to Kroger for groceries or something akin to that. But, uh, we've been pretty much adhering to what they, people tell us and hopefully we'll be over this very, very soon. Yeah, you and Amanda, you guys like to travel. You're a very busy couple. You like to be out and about. Um, are you guys going stir crazy? Or are you kind of enjoying this time? I mean, this is what technically, Marty, this is what real retirement's supposed to be for you. <laughs> well, yeah, to an extreme, I guess you could say that. I um, and we do enjoy traveling. Thank God we uh, went to spring training and we flew to Portland, drove down the Oregon and California coast, and and went to a lot of places I had never been before and. Um, so now uh, the travel, like for everybody else, has come to a complete halt until, uh, you know, it's safe to travel again. And, and we feel safe. So much has been made about opening up things. But the bottom line is how comfortable and how safe people are going to be uh, once they have an opportunity uh, to go to a restaurant or, or something akin to that. I think it's going to take a while before people are going to feel safe enough to go to the various outdoor and indoor venues that they have been deprived of the last few months uh, until they know that they can do it and do it from a physical standpoint helpfully. We'll get back into how baseball could potentially look in 2020 if there is baseball in 2020. But I want to look back at your last year uh, with the Reds, uh, you know, in your retirement send-off year. You have always said that, you know, you didn't really want the farewell tour, that you were just planning on when your career ended, you were just going to, you know, send in your resignation notice and, and, you know, go off into the sunset. Looking back at how fun and you know what an experience that was that last month of your career, uh, are you glad that you did it this way? Do you feel are you happy that you went out the way you did? Yeah, I, I guess so. I, I I think I'd have been comfortable going out the way I planned on going out because I really didn't feel like the ball club or or anybody else owed me anything. Uh, the forty six years that I spent in this town uh, broadcasting Reds baseball have been uh, is so wonderful that. Uh, that was enough for me. But uh, in looking back, especially the last three days, they, they were very special. And uh, I thanked uh, Phil Castellini and Karen Forgus and Zach Bonkowski and, and everybody else in the Reds organization that were instrumental in making the final three games of my career at uh, Great American Ballpark special. And I, I wouldn't take, I wouldn't give anything for the experience that I went through. Um, but at the same time, I I would have been much more comfortable uh, doing it the way I wanted to do it, but that doesn't in any way minimize the appreciation I have for people that made it happen. 
my favorite part about that, your final game, of course, getting one of these. Uh, I've never actually had a chance. <laughs> I never had a chance to uh, actually listen to a live broadcast at the ballpark. It was a really cool experience, and uh, having one of the, for those fans who were able to be in attendance and get one of these, this is a really cool keepsake right here. Well, you know, the funny thing about that is, Justin, people didn't even know what that. Some people didn't even know what that was. I mean, young people had never experienced anything like that before, and and honestly. They, they had no idea initially what the heck that was. So I thought it was a great idea by the ball club. And, and uh, I think it's certainly a keepsake that a lot of people will, uh, will take care of down the road. And, and the great thing about that little radio is it worked very, very well. So I was impressed with that. Absolutely. Now, uh, you know, we'll kind of transition now into what potentially baseball could look like in 2020. ESPN's Jeff Passan put out an interesting article last week just about different ideas that Major League Baseball has kind of tossing back and forth of what a season would look like if there is a season. I'm sure you've obviously seen that article and have heard what they're, you know, considering potentially, you know, just various ballparks throughout, you know, Arizona, uh, right. pulling some divisions to, you know, the Cactus League and to their spring training divisions. I appreciate that they're efforting to try to find a way to get a season in, but is this the way to do it? What's your takeaway of how it could potentially look if there's a season this year? Well, to begin with, I echo your initial sentiment. I think it's great that baseball's, uh, burning the midnight oil to try to come up with a feasible plan that will allow them to uh, to bring baseball uh, to the forefront in the 2020 year, um, but it's it's going to take a, it's going to take an ongoing effort to to come up with a plan that uh, will be feasible. I, I mean, I understand it. It's all about uh, the amount of revenue that everybody's losing as a result of. Uh, what's happened to this economy because of the coronavirus. But at the same time, uh, I would imagine that if they play, uh, that they will be playing in empty uh, facilities. They will not have fans in the ballpark unless they know something from a medical perspective that we have no knowledge of. Um, I, I think, uh, to me, the, the neatest plan of all was the one that the most recent plan, and or no, not the most recent, the most recent had, three locations in Florida and Arizona and Texas. I like the ones uh, the Florida teams go to Florida and the Arizona teams go to Arizona. They completely redo the divisions for one season. Uh, I like that idea. And at the end of the day, you have a World Series uh, pitting the Grapefruit League winner against the Cactus League winner. I like that. Um, I think they're going to continue to work. Um, it's going to be interesting. And I think one thing that will play into this decision will be when these states start to open things up a bit. And I think probably our state will start to open a bit around the first of the month. Uh, we'll see what happens as far as infections are concerned and whether or not uh, the numbers will spike again. I think that will have a large part in making a decision as to whether or not we have baseball in 2020 or not. You know, part of that, too, is that the players and anyone associated with the team would have to be, you know, secluded for four and a half months at whatever respective site that they'd be playing in. I mean, you put your broadcasting hat back on if you were still calling games for the Reds. I mean, I don't think that'd be a big deal to you to go somewhere for four and a half months. But what about, like, your son, Tom, who has kids or some broadcasters who have families? Would you be comfortable doing that? Should they be comfortable doing that? I wouldn't be comfortable at all, even though I, my kids are all grown. I mean, that means Amanda and I are separated for four and a half months, and I'm not interested at all in that. I, to be very, very honest, I told somebody, some, you know, constantly people come up to me and say, boy, you sure picked the right time to retire. <laughs> and I put the word, unfortunately, I did because of the coronavirus. 
pandemic. But I really believe had I come back this year and they had come up with a plan uh, to play ball in Arizona or Florida or the three locations uh, or a combination of whatever the plan was that required me to be a rate, wait for four and a half months, I would have probably said, you know what, uh, I'm done. Uh, I'm going to retire right now rather than, than, than go through that. And so it's, it's a tough situation for everybody involved. I know a lot of players have made the comment. They, they've looked at this situation from a very negative perspective if they're going to be separated from their wives and children uh, for over a third of the year. That's a, that's a tough situation to have to deal with. And Marty Brenneman with us here on 1410 Wing Live, and we appreciate Marty hanging out with us here a little bit. Marty, you know, it's interesting. One headline that's just been brushed under the rug uh, that was the main baseball headline heading into the 2020 season was the handling of the punishment for the Houston Astros and the sign stealing saga. Um, We already witnessed in spring training how teams were already, you know, kind of showing their feelings regarding their disdain for the Houston Astros. Already a lot of batters being hit, uh, and that was kind of the assumption of what we were going to see a lot of come the 2020 season. So they're probably the only team in baseball that might be a little thrilled that we're not playing games right now. But with that being said, looking back at how that was handled, A.J. Hinch being fired, however, only for a season. We had, you know, the, the Cora uh, news come out just yesterday or two days ago about how that's going to be handled for the Red Sox. Do you believe that they came down with a strong enough fist to handle this punishment? Or does, would, did there need to be a greater punishment handed down to make an example? Well, I think the commissioner did a terrible job. Um, I think he did a bad job with the Houston situation. I think uh, the way he, he has handled this Boston thing uh, has been, in many respects, a contradiction to what he said uh, uh, two years ago uh, when he imposed uh, uh, constraints on the uh, Boston Red Sox in that Apple Watch uh, deal where he said, in the future, if we have anything akin to this, that the general manager and the manager uh, will be held accountable and he turned right around and announcing the Boston situation, and neither the manager or, uh, well, well, I mean, what's his name? Corey had already been fired, but the general manager, uh, there was no penalty imposed upon him at all. Um, I, I think the thing they overlooked here is that Alex Cora was involved. He had to be involved. He was involved in Houston. We know that. He was the architect of what went on down in Houston. He goes to the Boston Red Sox, and nobody can tell me, uh, that this was ironic that the Boston Red Sox happened to be the second team involved. And the only thing consistent between those two teams from a personnel perspective was Alex Cora. So I'm stunned that they're going to let Alex Cora come back and manage in 2021. I just think the commissioner has done a bad job in handling this whole situation. Uh, I, I think it's going to be his legacy when the time comes that he steps down as commissioner. That the way, you know, the way I think he mishandled this whole situation. Yeah, Rob Manfred's been has tried to be as hands-on with the sport as possible. I mean, a lot of changes that he has tried to implement, the three-batter minimum. I mean, these are some of the smaller changes that he's tried to implement. But with that being said, when you look at the three-batter minimum, when you look at, you know, the pitch clocks and, you know, the expanded playoffs, are these issues that he's trying to fix? Are these real issues with baseball that even need to be addressed? Or are these the types of things he's trying to do to uh, as like a legacy movement so he can always be known as the, you know, the guy that made these changes in the sport? Let me tell you something, Justin. No one is more traditional about this game than I am. But I can tell you right now that a lot of the things that the commissioner wants to uh, incorporate into this game, I'm with 100%. People are tired of watching three-and-a-half-hour, nine-inning baseball games. 
They are sick to death of that. I know you got naysayers that say, oh, no, that's one of the great things about the game of baseball. There's no clock. That might have been true 20 or 25 years ago. I don't think it's true today. So I think his efforts to try and figure out a way to speed up the game is very, very important to the future of this game and its success. Uh, now, some of the things he's, he's talked about are radical. I don't have a problem with a three-batter minimum. I have absolutely no problem. When I see managers go to the mound after every hitter in one inning, I, I think that's ridiculous and something has to be done to minimize or stop that. Uh, some of the other things he's talked about are uh, are quite radical, but I I still maintain that the biggest problem this club has, other this game has, other than trying to get the youth of our country back involved in the game as it was when I was a kid, um, is the fact that people are they're not fans of going out and regularly watching three plus hour baseball games. Uh, that's the reason why they got rid of double headers. Uh, scheduled doubleheaders because they did polls and uh, the polls came back almost the same that people did not want to sit through six or seven hours of baseball watching two games anymore. I know this would go against traditionalist mindsets as well, but one issue that I, one change I would love to see, and I know it'll never happen. I do believe it's an issue that, like Mike Trout, you'll maybe see him. One, I mean, statistically, right now on pace to be one of the best baseball players of all time. Uh, but you only will have a chance to see him at Great American Ballpark, possibly two more series for the rest of his career. You think of the NBA, LeBron James in the Western Conference. He'll still come and play in every Eastern Conference arena uh, every single season. Your stars throughout the NBA are visibly seen in every arena in some capacity. Do you believe baseball, that impacts them as well, where Mike Trout and the stars of baseball are not easily viewable at ballparks across Major League Baseball? Yeah, I do, but I don't know how you can rectify that because you're, you're, you're singling out one team. You're singling out the Los Angeles Angels, and that because, that's because Mike Trout plays on that team. But then you've got to talk about uh, some of the other players that uh, National League fans don't get a chance to see or uh, American League teams don't get a chance to see uh, certain National League players. I don't, I don't know how you can rec uh, remedy that situation. Uh, I know people have said before – uh, you know, you could take Mike Trout and walk him down uh, the streets of Manhattan and New York, and very few people would recognize him. And that's probably true, as opposed to uh, a basketball player, uh, and and not so much uh, in, a, in a football player sense, because those guys are coming up all the time. Uh, that's a tough that's a tough situation to try and and, and figure out if you're going to allow the the real superstars of the game to appear in every ballpark every season, you're going to have to radically change a whole lot of things in order for that to happen. All right, Marty Brenneman, last two things here. We'll let you go. We appreciate you spending your lunchtime with us. Someone just messaged. Is that a robe? Someone wanted to know if you're wearing a robe. Is that a, is that a retirement robe? No, it's not a robe. It's a pullover. It's a, it's a robe. I get up every day and shave and shower and get dressed. This just happens to be a, a half-zip pullover. There we go. There we go. <laughs> Last night, the NFL draft, Joe Burrow. I mean, the city of Cincinnati, I mean, the, the buzz in Cincinnati is is really high right now. You look at how busy the Reds were this past offseason. I mean, I love all the changes that they've made. The Reds and the Bengals both, uh, after dealing with losing seasons for so long, have officially gone all in. It's a great time to be a Cincinnati pro sports fan right now. Yeah, it is. I, I think the buzz over Joe Burrow is sensational. Uh, it's, even, it's really special because of the fact that he's from – uh, the state of Ohio. He's from Athens. Uh, his dad was a celebrated high school football coach. Um, this kid obviously is very, very special. 
But I really, truly believe, Justin, that uh, not not the fact that they would not have drafted Joe Burrow. I think they had no choice, to be honest with you. Uh, even if the, their their desires in the darkest hour of the night was to take ch- ch- Chase Young or somebody like that, they had to take Joe Burrow for a lot of different reasons. But I really believe that the money that they've spent so far, aside from uh, drafting Joe Burrow, was all spurred on by the fact that the Castellini ownership with the Reds went out and got Mike Moustakas and Nick Castellanos and Wade Miley. I don't believe for one second that the Bengals would have gone to the point that they went, to the excesses that they went to monetarily uh, before they even drafted Joe Burrow had the Reds not done what they did this past offseason. Interesting note last night, Trevor Bauer tweeted at, uh, you know, Joe Burrow saying, you know, welcome to the city. You know, it's yeah. looking forward to competing for championships in the next couple of years. Maybe that's a sign right there that Trevor Bauer is interested in staying in Cincinnati. He's quite the vocal one, by the way. He's not a fan of broadcasters criticizing the team. I don't know if that was at you or what that was. But, but Trevor well, Bauer, let me make a point about that. When he made the comment, I guess it was some sort of Q&A mm-hmm. where um, somebody asked him, what the biggest problem was in the game of baseball today. And his answer was the broadcasters. And my response was, well, nobody knows better than Trevor Bauer because by the, every time he started a game, he was in the clubhouse by the third or fourth inning. So he had a better chance of listening to me or listening to anybody else. I think it was kind of weak that if he was going to say broadcasters be more specific than he was. But believe me, he got a chance to listen to a lot of me last year because he got his ass handed to him every time he went to the mound. I think he's going to be, and I said this last year, uh, I think if we play this season or if we don't play this season, we'll have to look to 2021. And I feel the same way you did about that tweet. That made that was encouraging for me because I felt like maybe uh, that meant that he had uh, plans to come back and be with his club in 2021. I think he'll have a big year. I, I, there's, I know the transition was tough for him, obviously, going from Cleveland to Cincinnati. This guy's too good a pitcher to suffer through the same type of, of indignities that he suffered after he became a Reds player last uh, last season. All right, Marty, we'll send you off with this. I had a chance uh, about a year or two ago when you spoke at the Pack Center in Van Wert, Ohio. Uh, you know, we had a dinner with you guys. By the way, I couldn't wait. I had dinner with you guys a few years ago, and in Van Wert, Ohio, there's only two places that you'll run into everyone you know. It's Walmart and the Mexican restaurant. So I'm, I can't wait. I'm going to walk into the Mexican restaurant. I'm going to look like a badass. I'm sitting and having dinner with Marty Brown. I open the door. There's not one person there. Not one single person. There. That was a nice night. That was a nice night. It really was. I'm going to have you share one story on the way out the door. You shared a couple of uh, stories about some of the pranks that you and Joe Nuxall used to play on one another. If there's an appropriate one that you could send us off with, could you do that? Well, I mean, the one uh, the one he did on me after I had done countless pranks on him because he was so easy. After a while, it wasn't fun anymore because I could get him anytime I wanted to. But the time that uh, I, I got called on the carpet after an article showed up in Sports Illustrated, about Joe pitching batting practice and Joe being a uh, a, a batting practice pitcher. And Sports Illustrated uh, sent a young lady to cover us for a weekend at Shea Stadium. And I would read uh, in the innings in which Joe did his play-by-play, the third, fourth, and seventh. I'd read a book, which I do all the time anyway. And uh, when she wrote the piece, uh, she mentioned in the article that 
And when Joe does a play-by-play, Marty gets out a bestseller and reads it. And I knew I was in trouble when I showed up in Sports Illustrated. So I got a call from Dick Wagner's secretary. Dick was the general manager of the club and said, Mr. Wagner wants to see you. And I went in that day and he, uh, he said, have you seen this? I said, yes, sir, I have. He said, uh, let me give you a piece of advice. This better not ever happen again. He said, it's very unprofessional. And so three weeks later, we were uh, going uh, to we're playing a series in Montreal against the Expos. And, and I did the first two innings and uh, brought Joe on in the third. I said, the Reds will leave the Expos three to one. And now with a play-by-play, here's Joe. And Joe said, thank you, Marty. And he paused. He said, boy, that looks like a good book you're reading. <laughs> I was not reading a book. I would no way have I taken a book out of my briefcase in light of my problem with Dick Wagner. But Joe got me. He, I really thought that that went over the air when in reality he had told the engineers with 20 seconds to go in the commercial, turn all the microphones off. The crowd mic and the play-by-play mic and his mic. So that's the one time that Joe got me. Now, the times I've gotten him probably uh, would be best served sitting at a bar and telling amongst a bunch of guys. But uh, he he got me good. That's the only time he got me, but he made it worthwhile. All right. Well, good stuff. Marty Brenneman, Hall of Famer, good enough to join us. Marty, there's a lot of disappointing things about not having baseball this year. One is not being able to see you get inducted into the Reds Hall of Fame. But there's so many good and fun things coming when baseball resumes, and uh, that's one of many. Uh, I'm excited for the season. Hopefully we have a season here, but if not, the most important thing is everyone being safe and healthy, and that includes you and Amanda. Well, we hope so. Thanks very much, Justin. Stay well, pal. Will do. Take care. The Crohn's and Colitis Foundation has been at the forefront of inflammatory bowel disease research and care for over 50 years. Learn more about research, education, and support at Crohn'sColitisFoundation.org. ESPN Dayton, 1410 Wing AM. Welcome you back. It's the Justin Kinner Show live here on 1410 ESPN Radio. You just heard the Marty Brenneman interview from 1410 Wing Live earlier this afternoon. Uh, make sure you go back and check those out. Those are really cool. They're all video interviews. Again, they're all live. They're all live interviews that we do at noon on our Facebook Live and on Twitter on Periscope at 1410 Kinner K I N N E R. So make sure you are following all of our social media channels uh, so that you don't miss out on some of the premium content throughout the day. So make sure you check that out. Uh, all the videos are posted at Wing AM. So if you want to go and watch the Marty Brenneman interview, uh, we had Solomon Wilcox on yesterday. Uh, we discussed uh, with uh, we discussed the cancellation of spring sports as well as what's next for Ohio uh, high school sports with OHSA's executive director. Uh, earlier in the week, so that was on Wednesday, uh, that we had Jerry Snodgrass on the show. So make sure you go and check those out at wingam.com. We also had Keith Byers uh, on to share his draft day memories uh, for you know when he was drafted back in 86 by the Eagles, 10th overall. So really good stuff there. we got some big names lined up for you guys next week as well. Head to wingam.com. While you're there checking out those videos, you can also enter uh, enter the Support Local Business $1,000 Day giveaway for your chance to win $1,000. Your keyword here this hour is Penn Station. All of our local keywords, all of our mm, keywords. That sound good. All of our, uh, <laughs> all of our keywords are local businesses here in the Miami Valley. So go enter Penn Station at wingam.com for your chance to win $1,000. How about Marty Brenneman? <laughs> that was awesome, man. That was a great interview. Uh, Trevor Bauer, man. That's where, you know, he unleashed. Trevor Bauer, I have a relationship with him because, you know, he used to be a Cleveland Indian. And, you know, the incident with the, the camera, him cutting his thumb, and him always being an eccentric type of guy. And, you know, being a Tribe fan like I am, 
I still follow his career down here with the Reds and just hearing Marty just go at him. It was awesome. I mean, and Marty didn't hold back. And that was a month ago, too. So I hadn't talked to Marty since that happened. But I knew the next time I had a chance to catch up with him, I was going to make sure to ask him about that. Because Bauer, we all knew exactly who he was referring to uh, when he said that the biggest issues in, in baseball today are the critical broadcasters, um, which I disagreed with, not just because I'm a I'm pro-Marty. Uh, I just believe that, you know, when things are bad, broadcasters should paint it as bad. I'm not a big fan of, you know, like, for instance, I hear all the time when broadcasters say that, you know, they shouldn't say, like Marty will even say this, that you never use the phrase we. You know, oh, we had a good game last night. We, you know, that the athletes don't like it. Well, it's kind of funny how when a broadcaster will say something about one of the athletes on the team that they don't like, what's the excuse? Hey, man, we're all on the same team, man. We all got, you know, you can't paint us to look like that. We're a team. So you want them to be a team player when it means, you know, praising you, but you don't want them to be a part of the team. Like, you can't have it both ways. That's my biggest, you know, I man, I love pointing out hypocrisy in a lot of things, and that's one of them. That, that, that one drives me nuts. Hour three of the Justin Kenner Show coming up next. Don't go anywhere. Every home has things it needs, things that need to be maintained, fixed, or replaced. The Home Depot is here to help you get it done. You can easily find what you need on our app, order it online with the push of a button, and have it brought to your door with free delivery on over a million items. We have the essentials you need, the online know-how you may need to do it yourself, and low prices that make it all possible. The Home Depot, how doers get more done. At AutoZone, we're here to help you get what you need, and that won't change. In need of an oil change? Right now, you can get five quarts of Pennzoil Platinum Full Synthetic Motor Oil, an FTP Extended Life Oil Filter, and a $15 AutoZone gift card by mail or email, all for just $33.99. To the Justin Kinner Show, right here on ESPN Dayton, 1410 Wing AM. Hour three of the Justin Kinner Show, live here on 1410 ESPN Radio. Uh, getting some reaction about the Marty Brenneman interview that we just did where Marty called about Trevor Bauer. I think it was kind of weak that if he was going to say broadcasters be more specific than he was. But believe me, he got a chance to listen to a lot of me last year because he got his ass handed to him every time he went to the mound. <laughs> Goodness gracious. <laughs> Lit him up. Lit him up. As uh, Michael Kelso on that 70s show would say, burn! Like, that was the ultimate. One more time. Just, oh my goodness, one more time. I think it was kind of weak that if he was going to say broadcasters be more specific than he was. But believe me, he got a chance to listen to a lot of me last year because he got his ass handed to him every time he went to the mound. Man. <laughs> Man. No, I don't know. If that's just Marty Unleashed because he's no longer he's no longer an official broadcaster of the team, I don't know. I don't know. And, I mean, I wasn't expecting that. I was curious his thoughts about it. I was not expecting that. I should have expected that. Marty was awesome, uh, as always. But uh, check out the interview in its entirety at wingam.com. Uh, you can watch it there on 1410 Wing Live. But good stuff from Marty Brenneman, uh, as always. But, uh, no, he didn't hold back, to his thoughts on the commissioner and how he's handled the Houston Astros and, and the cheating scandal, the sign-stealing scandal, as far as that's concerned. Um, but, man, you know, Marty Brenneman and Trevor Bauer. And Trevor Bauer has developed into a personality that I really really like like 
I, I get tired of it. We talked about this a lot throughout the week leading into the draft when it comes to Andy Dalton. What bothers me about Andy Dalton with the Bengals is that he's just that dry, dull personality. There's nothing to rally behind. Um, he doesn't have, I mean, say what you want about Baker Mayfield, but I think the reason Browns fans love him so much is because, yes, he does have a little bit of that, a little bit, he does have that arrogance to him. He does have that cockiness to him. And when things are rolling and going well, which they didn't last year, but when things are going well, it, it rallies your fans around him. Like, he beca- like if the Browns do start winning, folks, like Baker is going to be the most loved, hated player in the league. He'll be the most polarizing player in the league. Like Aaron Rodgers, he has a little bit of a scowl to him. He has a little bit of a personality, but he's very dry dull kind of boring like he you know he he basically tells you to f off with his eyes like he just has this like very beggar he will physically he will literally tell you like he will literally do that there's there's not enough quarterbacks like that and joe burrow fits that and i'm we've talked about that a lot this week but you want to talk about baseball baseball is very similar where you have those dry personalities you don't have enough of those guys that you want to rally behind those those uh you know personality guys and that's trevor bauer trevor bauer is as vocal as they're as vocal a player in the league today as there is if he doesn't like something if he doesn't like you if he thinks what you're doing is wrong he's going to call you out you don't have to agree with it so that's what i love about trevor bauer because if the reds do win and they start winning with Trevor Bauer, he's going to be one of those characters that you remember forever. Mm -hmm. That's what made the Big Red Machine so fun, is they were all characters. Pete Rose, the reason that, you know, yes, he's the hit king. Yes, there's so many things that he's done wrong off the field that, you know, people always focus on with the betting and everything. But he was a character. And when you're a character, that goes a long way. I'm only disappointed that we only got a half a season of the character Trevor Bauer and Marty Brenneman. Because if Marty was continuing to broadcast, that would be gold. Something to look for look moving forward. I mean, Trevor versus Marty, it wouldn't get any better than that. And you, you just heard a small clip. One more time. Marty just unleashes on Trevor. I think it was kind of weak that if he was going to say broadcasters be more specific than he was. But believe me, he got a chance to listen to a lot of me last year because he got his ass handed to him every time he went to the mound. <laughs> Good. I mean, he's not technically wrong. Uh, I mean, who's right or wrong in that situation? I mean, players, you know, they always told to ignore the media. You can't ignore the media. No player ignores the media. If you rush to the media when they're talking good about you, you're going to hear the bad. Mm-hmm. And I believe that it's fair that if you're going to be praised, you got to take the criticism as well. And more times than not, criticism is warranted. More times than not. Unless you're Justin Kenner finding things about JT Barrett that you have to, you know. Oh, gosh. You know, you know, it is what it is. So, but... I see both sides. I really do. And uh, by the way, we are efforting uh, Trevor Bauer next week, either Excellent. Tuesday or Thursday. Um, getting that, you know, that will be fun to talk with him about the rebuttal to that. I have no problem being the. Uh, <laughs> I love stirring the pot, man. Oh, it, you are. <laughs> I mean, it, it, there's no other job that is more fun than this when you get to do fun stuff like that. But all right, four five seven nine four six four. If you're just getting off work, just tuning in. Hope you had a great day. Happy Friday. Welcome in. NFL draft last night, Trevor Bauer, Trevor Bauer, holy smokes, <laughs> Joe Burrow, uh, of course, gets drafted by the Washington Redskins. He goes number two, Jeff Okuda, number three to the Lions. Uh, and what was really cool about that, uh, and look, I'm not going into that rant again. I, I'm laughing at Buckeye fans who are taking credit for Trevor, uh, or for Trevor again, my obsession with Trevor Bauer, with uh, Joe Burrow. Uh, but it was really cool. The fact that you could literally say that those first three guys drafted were all teammates back in 2017. Joe Burrow, Chase Young, uh, and Jeff Okuda. Absolutely. That's a ton of talent. And then you had a Damon Arnett drafted number 16 overall. And then, you know, J.K. Dobbins, honestly. I mean, I'm I'm really shocked that the Kansas City Chiefs selected Hilaire over Jonathan Taylor 
and J.K. Dobbins. Even if Jonathan Taylor was drafted, that would have been bummed because I would have liked to have seen J.K. play with the Chiefs. Uh, but I w- it was justified to take uh, Jonathan Taylor. Not that there's anything wrong with Hilaire, but I just thought that the two most talked about backs, the two most prominent backs are J.K. Dobbins and Jonathan Taylor. Interesting move there uh, by the Chiefs in that final pick not to take J.K. Dobbins, but it could be a good situation. I think that the Bucks and Ron, I know you're listening, Ron loves, I mean, that's his team. He's super pumped about the depth that running back you know, all the talent that's left here in the second round. So many. The the Bucks, if they want a running back, they're going to get a running back. So Absolutely. there's no excuse if they don't have a good running game uh, in 2020, that's for sure. Um, but when you look at the three Buckeyes that were taken in the first round, Kev, you have Chase Young, Jeff Okuda, Damon Ornette. Damon Ornette is a surprise when I get it. Who is going to have the bigger year for their respective team here in 2020? Chase. Not, not Chase. So, Chase Young? Chase. It's the, it's the easy answer because he can make the most impact quickest. You look at Joe, yeah, he's going to be the quarterback. He's going to have a ball in his hands every single snap. But there is that fact that the Bengals' offensive line is not there. So I could see an up-and-down year, but like an impact, like a 10-12 sack season, a couple strip sacks, wild plays, Chase Young. Here's why I'm not going to say Chase Young. I think you, the Dallas Cowboys, their strength, offensive line. Now, again, I'm not saying Chase Young won't have a good year, but I think that the teams in his division, are they're built to be able to protect their quarterback from threats like that. I'm not saying that they're going to stop him every week, but the Cowboy, one, Cowboys, one of their biggest strengths is that offensive line. The Eagles have a good offensive line. To, you know, Carson Wentz, who's injury-prone, obviously their big focus is always making sure that line is big, bulky, and fed uh, to you know make sure they protect Carson Wentz. Um, you look at the Giants. They take the kid out of Georgia, the offensive lineman, right away. I mean, if you look at the teams in that division, they are all about bulking up that offensive line, and it could, I mean, obviously you're looking at Chase Young, and that's one reason why. So I think that the teams in his division are built to be able to maybe handle a pass rush like that. Not saying you're going to stop them, but there is going to be some resistance in that division as far as how those teams are built. I think he'll have his way with the Giants, but the Eagles and Cowboys really do have two really good offensive lines. Damon Arnett and the Raiders, Jeff Okuda and the Lions. I think Jeff Okuda is the better of the two, I and I think that he will be good at his position. I just don't think that the the Lions did enough to better their team. I don't get why you get rid of your top cornerback to go draft a cornerback. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, so you didn't make your team better. You just you created your own hole and then you patched it up real quickly. But you still have a bunch of other holes that you have to fill. You didn't need to get rid of Slay. Maybe from a financial standpoint, maybe they're about to position themselves to pay. I I don't know. Um, but they don't have a strong run game. Uh, but we talked about that. They've only had one year of a thousand yards rushing in the last ten. Crazy. Uh, I mean, they might get it back in the second round. Who knows? The Lions just have a lot of issues. I don't believe that Jeff Okuda is going to be a big difference maker for them. Although I think he really, I think he will be really good. As far as the Raiders are concerned, Damon Arnett, he could be the surprise one. I'm going through the strengths and weaknesses of each one right now. Damon Arnett, look, the Raiders don't have that strong defense either. There's still a lot of question marks as far as how their offense is going to look. Um, if the Raiders lose, it's going to be because of the defense, so I don't think Damon Arnett makes an impact there. I don't think that Jeff Okuda makes an immediate impact, although I think that the division that the Redskins play in is built to slow down um, Chase Young. I still think Chase Young, you're right, will have the better year of all those two, but good secondary players are hard to come by. We'll see which one of those guys has a better year. It's going to be an interesting one. Oh, I can't wait, man. I just pray that we have some football. You know, at first I really wasn't a guy like thinking like about football so much. I was just, you know, let them 
plan it out. Let's hope for the best. But now getting a taste of the draft, you're watching the highlights from these guys we watched in college and thinking about what additions are going to be made to your pro team. It's just like, man, okay, I want to see it. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, we're going to be in limbo. That, and that's why I compared it to Christmas. Imagine on Christmas morning when you're a little kid, you run down the stairs, you see all the presents, you get to open them up, and you have your brand new toy, but your mom and dad tell you you're not allowed to play with it until I tell you. And then you just have to stare at it. That's what we as fans have to do. <laughs> yeah. Bengals fans just – and look, that's the thing about the NFL draft. I mean, it seems like forever between when the players are drafted and when the season actually kicks off, but it's going to seem extra long. I don't know how confident fans are that the season will kick off on time. I'm not sure how confident football fans are that there will be a season. Um, I'm still interested, man. Like, let's play that role of that, you know, that, that game of, man, if there is no 2020 season, what do you do for the draft? Man, I don't know, man. You, it's so so many to pick it out of the hat. The Patriots get the number one pick. They get Trevor Lawrence, and boom, that's how the NFL uh, will get blamed for the conspiracy theory right Yeah, there. they got to go full NBA lottery, right? I think you would have to, yeah. You know, who gets – I mean, you can't have the same draft order. I mean, Bengals fans would love that. But then again, you know – Who will they do? They, who will they do? Oh, they're, Trevor they're Lawrence going, sitting right there. <laughs> that's when you – but see, some, like that's why when you have – the teams that have always been unfortunate uh, to lose their quarterback through the regular season to, to an injury and then have a high draft pick because of it, I still think of the Dallas Cowboys. You know, when Tony Romo went down that year, uh, that, that's what led to them getting Zeke. You know, they were still trying to find a way to replace DeMarco Murray. They had DeMarco Murray that played at a high level. That was one of their better chances of being able to get to a Super Bowl. They don't want to pay DeMarco Murray. They let him walk. Uh, they were able to replace his yardage with McFadden and some others, but it really wasn't the same type of impact. Right. And, you know, then Tony Romo goes down, and they don't, you know, there's question marks as the future of him, which ultimately led to them getting Dak Prescott. It was a great first year. So, you know, when they picked Ezekiel Elliott that year, everyone was like, man, why, why would you take a running back that early in the draft? It's because the Cowboys that year were not your typical top five team in the draft as far as positioning goes to pick because they didn't have a lot of holes. They knew they needed a really good running back. They already had a good offensive line. Uh, they thought Tony Romo was coming back. You had Des Bryant. At that time, you thought you had the re- you thought you were creating the new big three in Dallas. You know, Troy Aikman, uh, Michael Irvin, Emmett Smith, you thought you had that with Tony Romo, Des Bryant, and Zeke Elliott. It's funny how that turned into Dak Prescott. Mari Cooper and Ezekiel Elliott. So, mm-hmm. the bottom line is the Cowboys benefited from Zeke that year, picking him so high because they didn't have a lot of holes, and you could take a chance on a player like that high, and he made an immediate impact. So, that's why a lot of teams aren't in that position to be able to take chances like that. Running backs only one taken in the first round. Could see multiple tonight because J.K. Dobbins is his name called tonight in the second Absolutely. round. Absolutely. Where do you think he ends up? Tampa Bay. What about Jonathan Taylor at that point? Jonathan Taylor, Dolphins. That would be quite the draft. If if the Dolphins do finish up with Tua and Jonathan Taylor, I mean, you got four years of, you know, assuming Tua can, can be what Tua is expected to be as far from a playmaking standpoint. Man, Tua, Jonathan Taylor, good for them. Uh, you got Tom Brady, uh, you have Gronk, you have all those weapons on that offense, and you had a J.K. Dobbins. That's quite the city. And they, they got, you know, they got their own linemen. They're, they're looking to protect him. So they, they know what they're doing as far as that's concerned. All right, we'll step away for a few moments. More of the Justin Kenner Show next. Yeah. The Crohn's and Colitis Foundation has been at the forefront of inflammatory bowel disease research and care for over 50 years. Learn more about research, education, and support at Crohn'sColitisFoundation.org. Now, back to the Justin Kenner Show, right here on ESPN Dayton, 1410 Wing AM. 
the Justin Kinner Show, live here on Dayton's ESPN radio station, 1410, Wing AM. How about the NFL Draft Round 2? That kicks for the second round. Just to give you an idea of what to expect, what names you could expect to hear tonight. Uh, how about T. Higgins uh, dropping all the way back to the second round, falling out of the first round? That was one of the bigger. That was one of the bigger names. It's going to be a big pickup for somebody. Your mic's off. Oh, there we go. There we go. So it's going to be a huge pickup for somebody. So we'll see. Kind of like we'll DK see. Metcalf. We, we joked earlier, Damon Arnett. He, he's the one that uh, potentially, potentially, he's the one that. Knocked him out of the first <laughs> round of the playoffs. So uh, how about that? Same thing with Jeff Okuda uh, in, in Ohio State's performance in the Fiesta Bowl. So nonetheless. But four five seven nine four six four. we're going right. to get into the Justin Kinner Show top headlines coming up here in just a moment. Uh, some things to keep in mind here. Look, the first round shatters NFL draft, you know, viewership record. And, and we figured it would. Uh, you know, I, I mean this. It's a situation where I'm not saying it's not that impressive, but... You know, you would expect it to be a record amount. I kind of like the old school look. What's up, man? I like the old school look of the draft last night. I like the old, you know, just uh, you know, it, it was, it was pretty good. I thought it was way too long. I think like the first ten picks uh, lasted ninety minutes. I don't think it should take ninety minutes to to get ten picks in. Uh, so we shouldn't complain too much about the length of it because we should be excited about just having any live sports to watch at this point. But yeah, um, I thought it was a little excessive. Maybe they they pick it up. Tonight, So we'll get into the mock draft from Mel Kuyper for tonight's second-round matchup. Let's take a look uh, at that coming up here in just a moment. We got uh, Reggie. What's up, Reggie? How are you, man? Uh, hey, go Browns. Go Browns. Uh, hey, you know what? Here's the interesting thing about last night is that the first few picks were, like, very long because they knew exactly who they were going to be picking. It's just that when it comes to, comes to the Browns, I personally thought they were going to get the um, – Tackle from Iowa. I wasn't even expecting the kid from Alabama to even be picked that high. Because I either had, um, was it Works from Iowa yep. or the Ben from Louisville? I thought Cleveland would have at least gotten one of those two. Yeah, back to where he ended up. He went right after them, if I'm not mistaken. So right, that's he, went to the, he went to the Jets. To the Jets. Well, I mean, look, and we knew this was going to be an offensive line. It was, it was a deep draft as far as offensive linemen are concerned. Um, to be honest, a lot of mock drafts. So I expected, you know, when I heard that the Giants were taking Andrew Thomas out of Georgia at number four, I was like, oh, that's going to really be interesting at number 10 because that's where a lot of people thought that he was, you know, Cleveland would be where he ended up. But there was plenty of options uh, for that number 10 pick for Cleveland as far as offensive line is concerned. Uh, and they went the Alabama route. I, I don't really have a bad opinion about it. I think there was really no wrong option as far as that's concerned. Yeah, but you want someone who can be consistent who can play both right and left side. I mean, I know they that's a good point. Got the guy from Tennessee um, in free agency to be left side, so very much it's all right. The only problem is you're, when you talk about Willis Jr., like he's going to have to, you know, be flexible as you as you said. So again, you're talking about the strengths of him in college, but that's because he's used to playing on a certain side of that line. If he's going to have to play on a different opposite side, that's just one more learning element that he's going to have to pick up on. So that part, if we want to be a little critical, is fair. Yeah, that's definitely so. So, and then tonight, I think they got about two in the two in the second round, and I think they got two in the third. So. It's going to be interesting to see exactly what they do. Um, most likely, I would like for them to possibly get another another lineman, if possible, um, then start working on defense. But one interesting thing last night, and I was kind of shocked by this, Kansas City 
had with their with their last pick in the first round, they had a chance to get Dobbins, and they picked a, a running back who only ran the ball less than 400 yards the entire year. And Hilaire, no, 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 Hilaire ran for over 13 or for over about 1,300 yards. They tried to make it sound like he only ran for like nine or 400 yards. No, because that mean when you start looking at the breakdown of his numbers, like it was actually impressive looking at how he was able to still get as many yards as he did, considering how much Joe Burrow threw the ball for LSU this year. Yeah, but would you? But if in their eyesight, I still would have chose Dobbins over him. Oh, I'm with you. I would, I would have taken Jonathan Taylor over him too. I wouldn't have been disappointed if Jonathan Taylor went over Hilaire or went over J.K. Dobbins. But interesting enough, Kev, you pulled it up. Uh, Hilaire, fourteen hundred yards, sixteen touchdowns. So there's that. But, uh, no, I, I think that, you know, they almost were talking down his contributions. Uh, Reggie, you're right, uh, that they, you know, they made it sound like he wasn't that impactful of a year. I'm actually impressed that he ran for that many yards considering how much attention was given to the passing game and Joe Burrow in the, in the spread attack that they had last year. So right. it's still a good gap, but I don't think he would have been my first back off the board. I don't think many people out there at all had him being the first running back taken off. No, he wasn't even that high up. No. So that was a pick directly out of left field. But I can guarantee you'll probably see Dobbins go very early in the second round tonight. You know, uh, in Cleveland, you know, I'm looking at the second round mock draft from Mel Kiper. They, you know, wide receiver out of Baylor, Denzel Mims. I just, I, I look, I think they've given Baker enough help. If they wanted to go another lineman, I wouldn't, I wouldn't poo-poo that. But I'm still worried about defense. I, I still think the linebacker is a concern. Um, I'm just that. That's where if the Browns don't win in 2020, it's going to be because that they didn't put enough, give enough attention to the defense. I just think another offensive weapon in the second round. Not that you can have too much offense, but I feel like they've given enough help. I think they need to focus on the defense to balance it out a little bit. I think it's more there that they need help is on the line first. If they get another lineman like early enough that's high enough and available, then start working on your defense. That's why I said we don't need no more firepower. And when it comes to offense, you got enough already as it is because, you know, you already keep it in the hunt. You still got Chubbs, and then you still got OBJ, you got Landry. So you got the necessary weapons that you need. Oh, speaking of which, you also got that tight end that gets signed too. So they yeah, have yeah. yeah, so they got plenty of weapons on the offensive side. It's just that they need to beef up that line. All right, well, Reggie, great. But you liked the pick last night. I know you said, I mean, you would have preferred someone else, but it wasn't a bad pick. I don't think the Browns could have botched that. We knew they were going to go offensive line if they kept it, and they did. You know, it, it beats, you know, they had T. Higgins uh, in a lot of mock drafts early on after the season ended. They were talking about T. Higgins. T. Higgins fell out of the first round altogether. So uh, yeah. I like the offensive line pick. Trent Williams would have been nice, but uh, they, they're they trusting their, their draft status right now. I think the bad pick last night was C.D. Lamb. The big the Cowboys. Of course, you know um, Jones. He's from Oklahoma, so he, of course, he's going to choose someone from Oklahoma. I liked uh, it. You have Amari Cooper and him now, and Zeke, and a good offensive line. I mean, there's no excuse. You know, if Dak wants to earn that money, he has he has way too many weapons now for him to say that he doesn't have enough help. So I'm just saying, like, yeah. I don't mind it. I don't mind it. That and the one thing that's been going around this morning is how. D. Lamb grabbed his cell phone from, I guess, his girlfriend's hand last night. That's been going around, like, pretty much all day on shows. So it was like she grabbed the phone and then he quickly took it right back. Well, yeah, because you know how many side you know side chicks are probably <laughs> congratulating him. You don't... <laughs> 
<laughs> you know, my girl is looking at me right now that's giving me this weird look, but yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it was funny. If you get a chance to look it up on, um, on ESPN sites, you know, they were just messed up for that, but. All right, man. Well, Reggie, you have a great weekend, all right? And don't make all your girl right, mad. Go, go, go right, fix yeah. that. All right, go Browns. <laughs> go Browns. Take care. Four five seven nine four six four. It's the Justin Kinner Show here on Dayton's ESPN Radio Station, 1410 uh, Wing AM. You know, I'm taking a look at this second-round mock draft and uh, some interesting pieces here. Denzel Mims, wide receiver out of Baylor, going to Cleveland with the 41st pick. Um, you know, and your team interests me. Um, right there, and you know, with the they're not taking the quarterback, uh, ooh. Jonathan Taylor. And by the way, that screams Pittsburgh, a physical, a bulkier physical back. I kind of like that. I, I'd be surprised if he's available, though. I mean, P- Pittsburgh doesn't pick till forty nine. Um, you know, mm. I yeah. like the quarterback. I need Jalen Hurts. You should have been a Packers fan. They love getting they love getting their quarterback prematurely. I need the quarterback, dude. We need you a need, quarterback. And I don't know if J- Jalen Hurts, by the way, not in the second round. Okay. No, I'm just saying like he's not picked in this in the mock here. Uh, I, it's interesting he sticks how that If we go running back, hopefully he sticks around till round three. We can grab him. All right, let's bring Ron on. Ron, I know you're like super ecstatic about all the running back depth that you know depth that there is in the second round. Mel Kiper does not have your Tampa Bay Buccaneers taking a running back. Uh, Jeremy Chin, safety out of Southern Illinois. I don't know what that does for you. Well, Mel Kuyper can think what he wants, okay? But anyway, um, I really, I'm really excited about that first-round pick we got. I mean, we traded up to get him, so they knew some. I mean, there was, what, five, four or five offensive tackles taken in the first round? Mm-hmm. I mean, that, I mean. It was, a, it was wide receivers and offensive linemen. If, you, if those were any of your needs that you needed to address, this was the draft to have a, a first-round pick or multiple first-round picks in. Yeah, and I told you the other day, I said, they're going to get a good back in the second round. You got Swift, Dobbins, Taylor. One of them three is going to drop to 45. And I'm telling you, Bruce Arians, that's on his list. I, I would not be surprised if they don't take one of them. I bet you they don't. I bet you. I bet you. Mel Kiper knows more than you do. I, I'm going to say. Mel, I'm just kidding. Ron. <laughs> they right, well, they actually have J.K. They have uh, you know DeAndre Swift. They have uh, him going 39 to the Dolphins. Uh, J.K. You know that that's an interesting get there. Um, and then they also have uh, when you continue to score J.K. Dobbins to the Texans. Uh, J.K. Dobbins. No, in Houston, not not terrible. Not terrible. They they just beefed up that offensive line with that big extension you just sent me a little bit ago. Well, did you get my thing about uh, Tunzel? Yes. I mean, uh, I mean, I remember pre-draft they had a video of him with a bong face mask doing a hit. Yeah, you can't you can't get caught with a face mask and a bong, man. You just, <laughs> yeah, it never ends in your favor. Now he's the highest paid offensive lineman. No pun intended. So there you go. <laughs> so I mean, is that the new is that the new thing? You know. But uh, yeah. Anyway, I just wanted to see, um, you know, just check in on that. But I, I think the Bucks are going to get aggressive right now. With uh, right now, they've been aggressive. You get Tom Brady. You get you get Tom Brady. You get Gronk. What do you mean they're going to get aggressive? They've been aggressive. You know what? And I sent you a picture of that jersey, right? Yeah. Uh, you going to get one? Not even close. I spent all my money on uh, all the all the different Baker jerseys out there. <laughs> yeah, well, you might as well sell them because they ain't going to be worth nothing here pretty soon. They'll be gone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
All right, aye. no Browns. Hey, have a good draft tonight. All right, have a great weekend. Take care, man. All right, bud. Four five seven nine four six four. Uh, but now this this mock draft from Mel Kiper here in the second round, very interesting. Cincinnati Bengals have the number one pick in the second round tonight. Okay, and right now you look at that number thirty three. AJ Green turns thirty two in July. They put the franchise tag on him this year. T Higgins. Yes. Or offensive lineman. T Higgins, wide receiver out of Clemson. If the Cincinnati Bengals end up with Joe Burrow and T, T. Higgins in, the, in their first two picks, go for them. Go for them. That's fine because if T. Higgins is a sleeper that fell out of that first, not a sleeper, but uh, you know a lot of teams maybe made a mistake passing up on him, if the Bengals can find a way, all of a sudden they have weapons all over the place. And they are. Technically they do now. I mean, yeah. Boyd's really good. Mm-hmm. When healthy, A.J. Green's one of the top receivers in football. Oh, now you Tate. add, I'll take. Now you add in T. Higgins into the mix. All right, you have Jonah Williams. They got to get they, the offensive line will ruin all of this. Hopefully not. But if they get T. Higgins, that's one hell of a draft, man. Good. If Cincinnati again, this is Mel Kiper's mock draft. If the Cincinnati Bengals take T. Higgins right there, I love it. That's a huge get for them. That's a huge get for anybody. Uh, the Colts taking Michael Pittman Jr., wide receiver out of USC. Again, this is just taking a look at the mock draft from Mel Kiper. Um, not a lot of big names jumping off the board here. Trevor uh, Trevon Diggs, cornerback out of Alabama, going to Carolina. DeAndre Swift, the running back, going to the Dolphins. So there's an interesting one there as far as two is fumbler. Yeah, there you go. So there's that. J.K. Dobbins, running back of Ohio State to the Houston Texans. Um, I like that. I like that. You know, but the problem is, is I would like it a lot more if the Texans didn't give up DeAndre Hopkins. You know, you have Deshaun Watson, you have DeAndre Hopkins, you get J.K. Dobbins. I would love that trio right there, but you you lost out on him. I, I don't know. I, I don't know. Uh, I still, you know, and if T. Higgins drops, I, I could see Houston getting him. They're in need of a receiver. I wouldn't be surprised if they maybe get aggressive and try to move up. Who knows? They need a receiver. T. Higgins would make a lot of sense if he's available. Denzel Mims, wide receiver out of Baylor. You heard me earlier. I'm not a fan of that pick if, if the Browns pull the trigger on that. I agree. They got a ton of weapons. You know, the old saying is, there's only one ball out there. Why do we need another receiver? I'm saying linebacker. Definitely a linebacker. You have to take a lot. I mean, I, I, they just the, de- the defense worries me. It really does. Uh, continuing to scroll down here, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have that 45th pick again. Uh, Ron's adamant that they're taking a running back. Jeremy Chin, safety out of Southern Illinois. So, again, address that defense. I mean, look, Tom Brady has a lot of weapons already. Do you need a run game? Yes, but I'm just saying I think that it's going to be easier to find a running back later in the draft than it's going to be to find some dominant defensive players. Second round's your last chance to get some of those impact guys. I'm not saying that there's nobody left after the second round, but you got to make sure you really hit a home run in your first two in your first two rounds. Um, continuing to scroll down here, uh, Jonathan Taylor, running back out of Wisconsin, Pittsburgh Steelers. Badges. I like that. I really do. Big Ben, Jonathan Taylor. I, I like that combo uh, right there. Do you believe that they de- – but why address that position, though? You have Connor. It's not the end of the world if that's your Connor, guy. he ain't doing it, man. They drafted uh, Benny Snell Jr. from Kentucky last year. He's from actually born and raised in Columbus, Ohio, by the way. Are we going to claim him for the Buckeyes, too, or no? Once a Buckeye, always a Buckeye. <laughs> anyway. Once a Buckeye, always a Buckeye. Only if you win the Heisman. Only if you win the National Championship. And only if you go number one overall. But uh, if you don't do those things, then you're not once a Buckeye, always a Buckeye. Got it. Um, but Not my rules. But the Connor thing just ain't working for me. It's just not. 
maybe Benny Snell can produce better than him, but he's not doing it. So I do want them to get a running back, but I really want Jalen Hurts. And then in the third round, we can grab the best available running back. Maybe a Cam Akers is there. Maybe DeAndre Swift, the fumbler, falls to us or something like that in the third round. But they have to get a quarterback in the second round. Get the best quarterback available in the second round. We cannot be out there with Mason Rudolph and a dude named Duck Hodges. I'm sorry. Can't. No tight ends taken in the first round last night, which... On, I mean, we were expecting Adam Troutman to be called in the second round. Was there a tight end? No. No, no what I was saying, yeah, you were right. That was uh, the rumor about him going to Green Bay. Yeah, but with Green Bay taking, for whatever reason, Jordan, Jordan Love is good, by the way. It's good, it's good for Green Bay if it pans out. Look, it, they got lucky that it it was such a smooth transition from Brett Favre to, to Aaron Rodgers. Can they do it again? Can they swing it again? I'm not going to doubt it. It's a good organization. They make the right decisions. They're in good shape. Uh, but again, you know, the Steelers remind me of the Packers a little bit. They're in that period, too, where it's like, man, we know we don't have that much longer left with Big Ben. And you're adamant that they yeah, should get a quarterback. See, I, but see, it's that parallels, similar parallel. Yeah. yeah, it's very similar of we still have some good years of Big Ben left. You know, but we don't need a quarterback. You know, when you, a lot of times the mindset now is you draft your quarterback, you want to throw you want to throw him out the right mm-hmm. way. The game has changed. It used to be get your quarterback, let him sit. There's very few examples of that in the last two you know two decades. You know, Aaron Rodgers is one, Patrick Mahomes is the other. But the difference is, is when you're Patrick Mahomes sitting behind Alex Smith, who's leading your team to the playoffs, that's one thing. When right. you're Aaron Rodgers sitting behind Brett Favre, that's another thing. You know, you're leading. You know, uh, you're sitting behind a really good player. So. It doesn't happen that often. A lot of times when you're drafting the quarterback in the first round, it's because you don't have a quarterback right now. Right. It's rare to see what the Packers just did. Yeah. It really is, uh, especially trading up to get it. Um, but with that being said, that Cole Met, the tight end out of Notre Dame, and I might have mispronounced his name, K-M-E-T. I don't know if the K is silent or not, or Komet. Maybe we'll just say Komet then. Cole Komet, tight end out of Notre Dame, uh, projected to go to the Tennessee Titans. Um and Komet was projected, according to Mel Kuyper, to go in the first round, which would have opened the door for Adam Troutman, the number two tight end um, in the draft, to potentially be taken in the second round. That kind of pushes his chances back again. Uh, back again. But a lot of Notre Dame players coming out. But, uh, yeah, Jalen Hurts, not, you know, pushback. I think that the value of the quarterback started dipping after Justin Herbert was taken off the board. Jordan Love dropped back further than people thought. Uh, Jordan Love... If the Packers don't move up to take him, I believe that the Titans would have taken him. My my one friend, he went off on me earlier. He said, absolutely not. There's 0% chance that the Titans would have taken him. Uh, I said, look, Ryan Tannehill, if, if that's who you want to go to war with, and enjoy watching the playoffs from home or enjoy watching the Super Bowl from home because it's not going to happen with Tannehill as your quarterback. Uh, and I love Vrabel, by the way. Like The Titans are who I was pulling for in the playoffs last year just because I was really pulling for Vrabel. To, to, but Tannehill. Once a Buckeye, always a Buckeye. Once a Buckeye, always a Buckeye. Oh, yeah, yeah. But only if he got to the Super Bowl. <laughs> only. But because he only got to the AFC Championship game, that, that doesn't count. It doesn't count. But he caught touchdowns in the Super Bowl with the pa- Patriots. Mm. Once a Patriot, always a Patriot. <laughs> but a very interesting second-round mock draft. The, the, not, a lot, not as many surprises. There's really a few surprises. For one, the fact that Jalen Hurts is not in there does surprise me. But then again, I'm scrolling through these, and there's really not a team. There's not a lot of teams... This is probably the deepest that the quarterback position has been in the NFL in a while. There's not a lot of teams that need quarterbacks. That brings up my point that I was saying. When the Chargers drafted Herbert, that means they're not going to sign Cam. 
No, and that's why I think that's one reason that the Patriots are in a staring contest right now with, and don't, you know, don't be surprised. In fact, who did they take? You know, they're not going to take Jalen Hurts. That's not a Patriots-type quarterback right there. Mm, but They already got Stenham. They're going to need two young quarterbacks on the roster. So, bottom line is, is at this point, I think the Patriots are going to sit back. They're going to basically have a staring contest with the Bengals to see who blinks first. All right, Bengals, we're not going to give you anybody for, for, for Andy Dalton. You think you have leverage Cincinnati? You don't, because you're either going to keep him and have your backup be making $17 million, which, again, from a talent perspective, Andy's a great backup quarterback. He's going to be a great you know, mentor to Joe Burrow, although I don't see it playing out that way. Uh, I just I think the, when he's been the starter that long and he's been done wrong that many years in a row by Cincinnati to all of a sudden now, uh, I, I thought that was interesting. So I, I don't see that pan, panning out. I think that the Bengals will be forced to release him because I don't think there's another team out there that will force the trade. The Jaguars maybe, but I don't think they're dumb enough to make the trade. Man, Cam Newton got released. And that's a great point. Mariota got, which again, Mariota is not Cam Newton. I get that, but you know those guys just were released outright. Um, you look at Todd Gurley again, not quarterback, but there's been elite talent, really, really good, talented players just outright released. And if Cam Newton doesn't have value in the trade market, I'm sorry, Andy Dalton doesn't either. Right. And if Todd Gurley doesn't have trade value. I'm sorry, either does Andy Dalton. Two different positions, I get it, but from a talent perspective. You know what I mean? Like, I thought it was interesting. The fact that Cam Newton and Todd Gurley were both available. Like, my mindset is, man, if you're a team out there that's like a fringe team, like if you're the Oakland Raiders, which you got your running back last year, but, um, you know, if you would have added Todd Gurley and Cam Newton as your quarterback running back, it's like you're an instant playoff team. I mean, you need, obviously, other ingredients. Don't get me wrong. But where is Cam going to go, though? No. Uh, is he, Cam he, Newton about to be a backup quarterback? I don't think he's on a team on a roster in 2020. Wow. I don't think he'll be a backup. And besides, right now, and if you're Cam Newton, I don't go sign with anybody. I keep an eye on how this world's working right now. If Corona looks like it's going to be delaying the season, then that's going to delay his decision. And if it does look like there's going to be games, there could be an injury in preseason. There could be an injury at some point to start. I don't know. The, the Raiders still fascinate me. I don't think Mariota's, and I think people are counting on Gruden to maybe do something with Mariota. Carr, I think that they've kind of run its course. I, I you know, um, the Raiders could end up with Cam Newton when it's all said and done. Man, I'm just looking at the rosters for the. I mean, the Bills got a quarterback. Dolphins just drafted a quarterback. Patriots are in limbo, so that's a possible destination. Jets, they have a quarterback. Obviously, the Ravens. Bengals just drafted a quarterback. Uh, Browns have Baker. Pittsburgh still has been questionable what they're going to do in the backup situation. Maybe that's a, a spot, a landing spot for Cam. Houston set. Uh, the Colts, for some ungodly reason, they signed Phillip Rivers. <laughs> uh, Jacksonville, I know you don't like the mustache. I kind of like them. Maybe that's a destination for Cam or Jameis. Tennessee, maybe that's – but they're not going to – they just signed Tannehill, so they're not going to bring in a big name like a Cam Newton there. That's just going to ruffle feathers in the locker room. So well, they wouldn't do that. When when teams have that soft-ass mentality – then they end up watching the Super Bowl from home. So that's fine. I think, you know, Cam Newton in Tennessee would be an interesting fit. Oh, it would be a power back. Cam Newton <laughs> with Derrick Henry? Oof. Zone read like crazy. Uh, maybe the Broncos. I know I'm a big uh, Drew Locke guy, but maybe there. Kansas City, obviously, no. Raiders, maybe. Chargers just drafted their quarterback. Dallas, I mean, Look, put I love on the list. Denver got Jerry Judy, man. That's huge. I mean, you put a strong arm like Cam Newton, assuming that he's 
you know, is healed and as well as people say. Cam Newton with Jerry Judy. Again, these are all long shots at this point, but they're the only paths that make kind of sense at, at this point. So, I don't know. Um, four five seven nine four six four. Here, You know what's interesting? Marty Brenneman made a, made a good point earlier about he believes that the biggest reason that the Cincinnati Bengals decided to open up their pocketbook was because of what the Reds did. And I've always thought the same thing. I've always thought that the, both of those teams in Cincinnati run parallel with how they attack free agency, with how they perform, with their mindset. It's always almost eerie of how similar the, the ownership is in Cincinnati. Except I still think the Castellinis blow the, like you know, blow the Browns out of the water. To be honest with you, but that's a conversation for later. All right, it's going to be a fun one tonight. By the way, could you see the Bengals? Here's how they could get a little uncomfortable with where things are headed with Joe Mixon. I would have no issue. This is a long shot. It would not happen. I would trade Joe Mixon tonight. And I would take J.K. Dobbins. Now, that's an asset that's tradable. I, I, I do believe that. Um, I, believe, I don't know. The return wouldn't be great. But maybe you can get another second rounder. Maybe you call the, maybe you call the Buccaneers. We'll send you Mixon. Give us your pick further back. There you go. And then they'll take J.K. Dobbins. And I say that because look what you would position yourself to do. Mixon's a really good back. But if you're gonna, if you could draft Dobbins number one or or um, Jonathan Taylor number one, then what you would have moving forward is a it's the Browns put themselves in that great position too. You had Chubb and Baker for four years at the mm-hmm. same time. Then you could position yourself to have Joe Burrow and J.K. Dobbins for four years moving forward. I would love that. I think that makes a lot of sense. If I mean, I know they're looking at the the second round mock draft from El Kuiper has the Bengals taking uh, T. Higgins. I don't mind that either because that's another one that I think is being they're positioning themselves to replace A.J. Green. Yeah. To me, that screams. Hey, th- so we did the franchise tag on A.J. Green this year. I don't think A.J. Green's getting that extension unless he just has a killer year. So. It's either T. Higgins or I still see, and again, I asked this to multiple Bengals sources who have said, no, the Bengals are not interested in, in drafting a running back. But if Mike Brown, who is cheap, feels that that he does not even want to start the negotiating process with Mixon or does not even want to step into those waters of trying to have him sit out, you have too much. My point is you have too much positive momentum rolling. Don't let a Joe Mixon holdout impact the flow of the offense and what's already going to be a limited offseason in regards to time together. You need your whole offense together as much as possible in the limited amount of time that you're going to be able to be together. So if you can get some kind of chemistry right off the bat between Joe Burrow and J.K. Dobbins coming in the same time on rookie deals, I kind of like that. Bengals fans, I'm curious. I know we're almost out of time. We're going to step away for a few moments. Do you like that idea? It's a little out there. I don't think it's going to happen. I think it should happen. I, I still think the Bengals should explore a trade for Joe Mixon. Get him out of there. Try to get maybe another second-round pick. Call the Buccaneers. Send Mixon to the Buccaneers. Get that additional second-round pick. Take J.K. Dobbins with the first pick tonight in the second round. Then that will put your offense on a pretty good run of having J.K. Dobbins and Burrow for four years on those rookie deals. Then you're going to have a lot of money elsewhere to focus. Don't, don't, extend Joe, don't extend Mixon and put money into him when you don't have to. Get Dobbins tonight. Pair him up with Joe Burrow. And have a four-year run with them on rookie deals and put your money elsewhere. Build up that offensive line, keep that defense intact, and let's roll. I'm curious. We'll hear from Bengals fans. We have time for a call or two on the other side of the break. Don't go anywhere. The Justin Kinner Show, right here on ESPN Dayton, 1410 Wing AM. Holy moly. So somebody heard the Marty Brenneman interview from a little bit ago where Marty Brenneman called out Trevor Bauer for his comments regarding critical broadcasters. Uh, And... 
Someone tagged Trevor Bauer in the tweet, and Trevor Bauer is going back now saying that Marty Brenneman is not worth his time with a response. But I love when people do that. Like, he's not worth my time for a response in your response. Like, right. you, took a, you took a dig at him while saying you're not going to take a dig at him because he's not worth your time, but clearly, yeah. That's going to be something to keep an eye on. <laughs> Definitely going to be something going on this weekend on Twitter. All right, folks, we only have a few more minutes here. Uh, I threw this scenario out. I think that the Cincinnati with the Joe Mixon situation potentially holding out, I don't think it's worth it for the for the Bengals to go through that. You're already going to have limited time with your quarterback and your offense this offseason because of the limitations due to COVID-19. I say you trade Joe Mixon if possible. You draft J.K. Dobbins with the number one pick in the second round tonight, and then you have Joe Burrow and J.K. Dobbins or Jonathan Taylor for four years on the same rookie contract. That allows you to be able to put allocate your dollars elsewhere, and then you don't have to worry about taking a chunk of that change to extend Joe Mixon. All right, let's go to – we have one time for one call. Bubba, Bubba, close this out, man. How are you? Hey, not bad, Justin. What's going on? Another day in paradise, man. What you got for us? Yeah, that's perfect idea, perfect scenario. Trey Mixon, draft uh, Jonathan Taylor. Jonathan Taylor is probably the best, I think, all-around best running back in this draft. I can't believe he hasn't been picked yet. That's what I would do. Um, Without doubt, I think I mean, and I'm only mad that we started talking about this so late. We'll pick up on uh, Monday, but it'll be too late by Monday because tonight, you know, the, the draft starts in an hour. I'm being serious though. Like, I would, I think it would make more sense for the Bengals to do that. Joe Mixon's a great back. Uh, would you like him on the team next year? Yes, yeah, but Jonathan yeah. Taylor is just as good. J.K. Dobbins will be just as good, and then you even up the contract lengths for Dobbins and Burrow, so you have four years with them. Uh, and I like that. I think that that's helped Cleveland be able to present. You know, the fact that they've been able to go get Kareem Hunt and get all the weapons on offense, it's because you've had your running back who's producing as top three in the league with your quarterback all on rookie deals. It allows you to be more flexible. I want to see the Bengals do that. I doubt they'll, they'll do it, but it would make a lot of sense. Uh, Bob will make one more comment, but then we got to go. Uh, like I say, I don't know if they'll get a second round for them, but they can easily get a, maybe a third and fifth, third and sixth, something like You know, post up the uh, offensive line, so it'd be awesome. Yep. I like the pick last night, obviously. We'll see what they do tonight. Bubba, good hearing from you. Take care. Have a great weekend. All right, brother. Take care. All right, folks. Thank you for tuning in. Appreciate you hanging out this week. We'll do it again next week. Until next week, this has been the Justin Kinner Show on 1410 ESPN Radio.